Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big Sills! You know, I've always kind of thought of myself as America's sports doctor. You know, I'm not a reporter or a journalist. I don't like anyone swearing at me. I'd rather have you call me the F word than call me a journalist. Um, but time to time, I actually have people whisper little things in my ear And tell me what's going on with a couple NFL teams. And I got a little bit of insight here for you. Now, let me ask you this before we get going here. Oh, by the way, our Hooters guys, all you have to do today for you to get an opportunity to win yourself some gift certificates with our proud sponsor, Hooters. Seven locations in the Northeast area. We've been giving out gift certificates, uh, merch, and all that. All you have to do is find a code word and send it to show at gmail.com with all your info. Simple as that. And we will name a winner. That'll be on Football Mondays. And you may find yourself in the collection of people like Nick in Israel who have won our gift certificates with our great friends at Hooters throughout the next four hours. That code word will be out there for you. All you have to do is ID it, and you'll be able to win yourself potentially one of those gift certificates. Pack show today. My boy Tone's going to join us as he always does. That's now a staple. It's called The Segment. We have dubbed it The Segment. Merrill Reese will join us at 4.30, the legendary voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. And Tony Saracusa. From the last word on college football, hey, man, there's no question. The two biggest stories in football this year have been Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and Deion Sanders. It's not been Georgia going after a three-peat. So we'll talk to Tony. By the way, Tony thought that that Colorado team hired a gimmick and thought that that Colorado team would only win two games. And I believe they're playing Arizona State this weekend. So he's one of the voters on the top 25. He's a Heisman Trophy voter. We will talk to our friend. That'll be at 530 Eastern time to get his thoughts. Um, Here's a little bit of the breaking news for you here. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think that organizations hire people and maybe sign people and maybe draft people to keep other people and other players away from certain organizations that could be in their division in the NFL. Do you believe this? Do you believe that say the jets may sign somebody to keep them away from New England? Do you believe that that kind of ping pong goes back and forth. Do you believe that? 
Peter, absolutely. Joseph, yes. Without a doubt, all the people that answered yes, that's exactly how it goes. You, you keep people away from other organizations, especially if there's a need at that. Well, I had a conversation with Michael Irvin this morning. And Michael Irvin told me that there's a team, that there's a three-team race for the services of Randy Gregory. What three teams do you think they are? Can you guess? What three teams do you think have picked the phone up and had a conversation with Randy Gregory's agents? What three teams? Try to put them all in one line for me. I want you to pick three teams. By the way, I got this from Michael Irvin. Mario, look at you guys. Exactly. 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys have all expressed interest in signing Randy Gregory. That's from Michael Irvin's mouth. That the Cowboys, the only reason that they're going to let this week play out, because they don't want to start taking reps away from some of the younger guys that they have on their team now. And for Randy Gregory's people, where can he get the most reps? San Francisco, Dallas, or Philadelphia? He wants to join a team. You're not going anywhere with Denver. He signed that $70 million contract. They want to get out from it because you know why? It's not that they want to get out from Randy Gregory. They want to get out from the money because they have so much money in the coach and in the quarterback that they're already preparing. That's the first sign of them getting ready for the offseason. Right now, Denver is in the process of putting the white flag up. Okay? Where would he, would he get a lot of reps in Philly? You think Randy Gregory would get a lot of reps? Would he, he, he would take Derek Barnett's reps away. I'm all good with that. How many reps, by the way, how, what's the percentage of reps that Derek Barnett gets? Does anyone know? What's the percentage of reps he gets? Because whatever it is, I'm giving it to him. Uh, and and he may end up being a and how would that look him going against Dallas? He gets thirty four reps a game. Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett gets thirty four reps a game. Is that right? Out of sixty five plays, or is that thirty four percent? You're saying. of the defensive plays Derek Barnett gets? Boy, that's awful high. Okay? That's awful high. Percentage. Okay, great. Okay, fantastic. 
Randy Gregory to the Philadelphia Eagles would be what? Because your pass rush, your pass rush right now is not where it was a year ago. Do we agree? It's You're putting pressure on the quarterback. I'm not suggesting you're not. But I don't really think you're getting a lot out of your ends. I, I don't think you're getting a lot out of your ends right now. Well, that, but get this. I think that's going to come around. Last year, there was a push to get defensive tackles by Howie. Maybe there's a push this year to get a couple more depth guys for the edge rushers. Would that be fair? Would that be fair? Okay? Look, I think the pressure on the quarterback, I don't think it's been awful. I'm not going there with that. I don't think that that's been awful at all. You're just not getting home as much. I think that's got a lot to do with your back end and your secondary play and a little bit of your inconsistency in linebackers. Now, look, I think the backers the last two weeks have gotten better. Okay? I actually like this move. And you're going to get him for pennies on the dollar. Because once he clears... See, people right now with the cap the way it is, and most salary caps right now are kind of, you know, they're pushed to the limit. There's not a lot of football teams, maybe outside of Chicago or places that are in complete chaos, that have a lot of cash right now. So you're going to see this guy clear waivers. He's a $12, $13 million. Nobody's paying him that. You might get this guy for $2.5 million. You might get him for two and a half million. Would you be interested? Boy, I sure would. I think he'd make a welcome addition. How would they use him? More depth on your edge rushing would increase and help your defensive ta- your defensive tackle play. If you can get those edge rushers back up to just looking a little bit like you did a year ago, it'll be the best D-line in the NFL, and that includes the 49ers. Why not add a guy who's a good pass rusher? Look, his decision-making and one of the reasons that the Cowboys lost him to Denver was they put those clauses in there because, again, there's questionable decision-making. My problem with Randy Gregory has always been his decision-making. You know, when you go into a combine and your agent and everyone are telling you don't smoke weed and you smoke weed and then you drop to the third round and you're a first-round, he's a first-round talent. He's a first-round talent. But he's a seventh-round decision-maker. And sometimes that doesn't plug in with one another. And that's why organizations look at him and go, yeah, I don't know, man. Do I want to bring that in? Now, again, you're not bringing him in to be a starter. But that's the guy that can help your football team. Pass rushing in today's NFL. Hey, especially with the quarterbacks you have coming up with Josh Allen. You know, Patrick Mahomes. Guys like that, you're going to want to, in my opinion. You're going to want to have more pass rushers. Okay? Would you... See, look what Twist says here. I don't want any cow pies. That's so dumb. Like, Like you're in high school. I want anybody who makes my team better. 
those stupid like takes like that. You're like this. Are you still in high school? Who gives a shit? What dude? Players are loyal to themselves, not organizations. The only people that are loyal to organizations are peace are people like Jason Kelsey, um, Brandon Graham. People that have been in organizations for a decade. Yeah, I get. But people that have bounced around, you're not loyal. Have you ever heard Keyshawn Johnson talk? He's not loyal to the Jets. He's not loyal to the Cowboys. He's not loyal. He's a mer- Most of these NFL players are mercenaries. They go to the highest bidder. They don't worry about whether they played in Dallas or San Francisco or Chicago. That is a non-factor. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's the only thing you have to look at when you're looking at a mercenary type NFL player that you may want to add to your roster. Who gives a shit about his history? As a matter of fact, I like the fact he played in Dallas. Why would it be an advantage for him to have played in Dallas? I think it's the same advantage that James Bradbury had because he played in the NFC East. Great. He knows the East. Great. He knows all the OTs in the East. He's game-planned against New York. He's game-planned against the Eagles. He's He's game plans against the Cowboys because he's got to go against guys in practice every day. That's the kind of sign that makes Howie a legend. Right there. Plus, you keep him away from San Francisco and Dallas. Okay? Right? Bodybuilder goes like this. I thought Robert Quinn would work last year, but this would be a definite upgrade with Gregory. Hey, bodybuilder, the one thing is for sure, I don't want Howie to stop taking swings because of Robert Quinn. Just because Robert Quinn didn't work, he should stop taking swings. Eventually, you're going to hit the home run. And Howie's been pretty good in his average I'm finding free agents. So I'm going to go with Howie taking swings. If I'm Howie Roseman's manager on free agents, I'm going to say swing away, man. It's not like this guy's striking out. It's not like this guy's striking out. Robert Quinn? That Can I look at the Robert? Here's how I look at the Robert Quinn move of a year ago when they made a move for Chicago with that. You know what I say to that? Okay, that means I'm one step closer to getting to a guy that's going to be successful on my roster. Because eventually you're going to land on a guy who's going to be an impact ball player for you. Okay? I love this, man. So Eagles, 49ers, and Cowboys. Jerry Jones said today they're examining the possibilities of bringing Randy Gregory back. Howie Roseman's on the horn and John Lynch is on the horn for the Niners. Congratulations.
you're now officially back in the conversation on maybe potentially bringing in a guy who could help you. I like it. I like it. That, my friend, is how you win a championship. You're going to win a chi- This is a depth move. A move like Gregory works on your depth because what happens as we go into the season it becomes the war of attrition. Right? Howie Vision. That's it front and center right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move off this. Rams on Sunday. We're going to go in depth here a little bit with this Rams team. And we're also going to look at comparisons with the Rams and the Eagles right now. As the Rams are 2-2, two and two, the Eagles are 4-0. and oh. Again, records right now, like you guys say, it's early in the season. And I'm just going to go by your premise. Your 4-0 and oh record doesn't matter because you think that, quite frankly, it's early in the season still. That's what you guys tell me. So the 4-0 and oh record doesn't matter because it's early in the year. So the 2-2 two and two record for the Rams doesn't really matter because it's early in the season. Correct? Is, is that right? Because I, I want to make sure that I use your sample and how you look at it. Is that what you're saying to me? That it's still early in the year. The 4-0 record doesn't matter because it's early. So the Rams being 2-2, two and two, that doesn't really matter too. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, asking, I'm asking you a question, Sue. Which is it? Is it still too early? The team will play a little better. They're 4-0, but we're really early. And the Rams are 2-2. Two and two, So they get also that, I guess, metric that it's early for them too, correct? I'm just asking a question, man. It's, is it early for everyone or is it just early for the Eagles? The only thing 4-0 means is that you're off to a good start. That's it. Well, Tone, see, you have common sense. Most people in here, 75% of them don't. Okay? Peter, I think it's early for everyone too, but we're a month into the season here. We're a month in right now. Would you not agree? That, that's a pretty good little sample size now. It's a quarter of the season. Okay. Okay. Twenty. I love. It's one of my favorite lines that Scott brings up. The twenty-one and one champions of nothing. <laughs> so I'm twenty. I'm twenty-one and one, and I've won nothing. <laughs> what did I win when I'm twenty-one and one? Nothing. <laughs> I'm 21 and one, and I've won nothing. <laughs> hey, man, he did a lot of winning for nothing. It's great. One of my favorite lines of all time. 21 and one, would you win? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> a huge contract? Okay. That's not a lot to do with winning championships, but okay. Sure. Let's take a look at the Rams, and we're going to compare the Rams versus the Eagles. And you tell me what you think. 
2023 Los Angeles Rams coached by a coach who's superior to Nick Sirianni, superior in every way possible. Play calling, organizationally, given more control of his own team. He's the guy that made the move to get rid of Jared Goff to bring in Matthew Stafford. Not Les Snead and Kevin Demoff. That was his call. He was going to quit. What did they do? They just gave him $20 million annually. He's one of the highest paid coaches in National Football League. Your guy's waving pom-poms and on a megaphone like he's at some sort of camp. This guy's a coach. This guy's a coach. <laughs> Sean McVay is a coach. I believe. Hey, and get this. You know what's even crazier about Sean McVay? He's younger. And he's been coaching longer. How's that possible? He's 39 years old, and he's got two NFC titles and a Super Bowl. And for the record, he went to the Super Bowl in his second year like your boy did. And Sirianni had the play calling taken away from him when he was 2-5 and because he was doing such a shit job doing it. This guy didn't. This guy's one of the best. If I were to really put head coaches in the NFL, who would I put in the top five? McVay's in there. Andy Reid. Um, you still got to put Big Bill in there because of his overall body of work. I know people go, have you seen him the last three years? Well, that's not how you read a book. You read a book all the way through. <laughs> you don't read a book halfway through or three quarters of the way through. I know some of you like to do that shit, but that's dumber as it gets. Pete Carroll, I throw into that conversation. Shit, I'd even throw the guy down to Jacksonville into that conversation. Look at what he's doing with the turd organization in Jacksonville. Getting out to a bumpy start, but it's Jacksonville. Absolutely. That's a play-calling head coach. You've got a cheerleader and a CPA. Who's my coach? Uh, JC, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, the guy Wentworth. <laughs> JG Wentworth? That's who Nick Sirianni is. JG Wentworth. <laughs> hey, you need your money now. <laughs> that, that, when, I, when I think of Nick Sirianni, I think of the guy in a JG Wentworth driving the bus. You need your cash now? one 877 Get cash now. <laughs> oh, Gary goes that Sean McVay's a one-year wonder with two NFC titles and a Super Bowl. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, not your guy, though, one-year wonder. Guy belongs at the library giving library cards out. But, hey, that's another day. Let's move on from that. I'm sick of talking about the cheerleader. The Rams um, have done a really good job this year, man. They, they really have. They've done a really good job at being in the top 10 in both sides of the ball. Okay? They really have. Um, right now, they're outstanding in the fact that they're ninth in yards allowed when it comes to, you know, how they're playing defense. They're giving up 111 yards per game. 
And then the pass are giving 184 eight up. So that's why they're ranked in the top 10 right now. Okay? It's pretty balanced. Raheem Morris has done a heck of a job with a bunch of nobodies. And I think this is going to be a big test for them, to say the least, this game with Philadelphia and them rolling into town. Um, the Eagles clearly are, I believe their defensive line is superior. There's no question about it. I believe that their D-line is going to be better than what this ramp. You know, Aaron Donald really doesn't have another dude next to him like he's had in the past where he's had a pass rusher. To me, when you took Von Miller off that defense, you kind of left him alone out there. You kind of just left him alone out there. And he really doesn't have, you know, he's a player that impacts multiple players on your defense. Okay? And he really doesn't have another guy that's stepped up yet. My concern to beat the Rams, we have to run Rams defense. That's right. Control the clock. Uh, keep that wide receiver and cup. I don't know what Cup's conditioning is going to be going into this game. Eagle coaches will want to get into a shootout. The Eagle coaches want to get into a shootout. They'll lose games. You know why? It's not because you don't have more talent. It's because you have less talent in coaching. You don't want to get into a shootout with the Rams. You don't have proper coaching to get into a shootout. You do not have the ability to hang with McVay in a shootout. And I don't mean player-wise. I mean, coaching-wise, you, you don't have the coaching. You really think that Brian Johnson is going to out-scheme Raheem Morris, who won a Super Bowl, has a ninth-ranked defense, and then you really think that Sean Desai is going to out-coach Sean McVay in a shootout? I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. Your coaches have been horseshit this year. With the side being better, a little better. Brian Johnson is not good. He is not a good play caller. Hello, Eagle fans. Brian Johnson's not a good play caller. When are you going to get that through your head? You're going to wait around. Why are you waiting around? In a Super Bowl situation, for a training wheels coach, why wouldn't you hire the best people available for Hertz? Why? Is it because the GM wants control? Why did you hire? Why wouldn't the Eagles have interviewed Eric Bieniemy? Why didn't you at all interview Eric Bieniemy? I wonder. Why? Why would you think you didn't want to interview Eric Bieniemy to be with Hertz? Why didn't you interview him? Was he not one of the best? If you knew that Eric Bieniemy was going to take a lateral move to be an offensive coordinator, why would you hire a guy with no experience? Versus a guy who has two Super Bowl rings. You never even picked the phone up. Why didn't you hire? How about why not even call him? 
Why didn't you call him? Why? Why didn't you call? You don't think Andy Reid, who's got a great relationship with the owner and has a great relationship with Howie. I've heard him on the D-Gun and Rob show, and I've seen that, and he loves those guys. You're telling me he didn't recommend Eric Bieniemy to go to Philly and work with Jalen? And no one picked the call to phone up to call him. Why? Answer the question. Don't aim it at me. Grow up. Why do you think the Eagles did not want to bring an experienced coordinator into the building? Why? Just answer it. Why wouldn't you hire Matt Nagy? Why wouldn't you hire the best offensive coordinator if you think you're this close to the Super Bowl? Why would you bring in coordinators who are lesser than the guys who just left the building? Why? All I'm asking. Jay, control. Correct. How he'd rather have control than the proper people in the building. This is out thinking you're smart. Or out thinking yourself. This is out thinking yourself. If you're going to hire somebody to do brain surgery, would you hire a guy out of Harvard right away? Or would you hire a guy at Harvard Medical who's been there 20 years to do your brain surgery? Oh, I see. You would want an experienced guy doing one of the most critical things possible, but you want the least experienced people in the building in a moment. That's what costs you the Super Bowl. Bad coaching decisions cost you the Super Bowl. Am I wrong? Why didn't you? What kills me is you won't answer it. Why didn't you call Eric Bieniemy? At least have a conversation with him. Supposedly, from what I'm understanding from Frank Reich, they never called him. Frank told me they called two people and they were going to stay in-house with Brian. Why? Why didn't you call him? Why didn't you call Eric Bieniemy? All I'm asking, answer the question. Who cares about Bieniemy? Because it's a fundamental way you do business. You're not looking for the best coaches to be around the best players. You don't have the best coach coaches around the players right now. Your coordinators are D minus at best out of the gate. Your secondary on defense is terrible. Your offensive passing game is one of the worst in the league right now. Well, it's getting better because of the Washington game. They wanted continuity. So you see what JM says? They wanted continuity. There's not a rip there to that. That's believing in your system and not really evaluating and really doing a self-evaluation. But there, there's something to that. There's something to that. Okay? I think Brian knew Jalen. That is such a... I don't give a shit if they're 
childhood friends that has nothing to do with play calling. How many people in here think Brian Johnson's a good offensive coordinator? You guys will not answer why they wouldn't pick the phone up and call the best coordinators on the planet. After Vic Fangio found out the bullshit that was going on at the NovaCare Center, you know what he did? He said, screw it, I'm going to Miami. We told you about the OC, and you said we're blaming the OC. Now it's early. It's still give him time. Okay? Too early to tell? It's too early to tell. See that line right there that Rich just said? Put that up for me, Tone. Please. Tone, put that up there for me. It's too early to tell. See that right there with Rich? Why would you be experimenting with a Super Bowl offense? It's too early to tell. That's my point, whether it's the enemy, Nagy, whomever, Nathaniel Hackett, anybody. These conversations are better to have at 4-0. You're right, because your offense looks great. Against the dump part of your co- – hey, congratulations. Watch this. These, some of these guys in here with this 4-0 conversation wants pats on the back for beating Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, and Sam Howe and Baker Mayfield. You guys want pats on the back for that. You're not a Super Bowl team beating those teams. Dallas and San Francisco are going to tell us a lot about both teams. That's a Super Bowl mini playoff game because that game is going to determine – Who's going to be the front runner to get home field advantage? Not you playing the Rams or what or um, the Vikings. That game is a is a mini playoff game because it's going to tell us what team is the best team potentially in the NFC. You're not better in San Francisco. You're not playing better. That team or that game is the best game in the first half of the season. I thought that Buffalo-Miami game would be, but it wasn't. I will admit the conversation doesn't sting as much with 4-0. I got to be honest, still 4-0 means nothing in the long run. I'll take it as a... Constructive criticism, which is good. Yeah, because this is a marathon. Absolutely. Again, 4-0 right now means you're out to a good start versus things you're supposed to be doing anyway. You want pats on the back for winning games right now that you should be winning anyway. But yet your coaches keep you in every game because they're not very good. You understand that last year, the reason that you were dominant, the coaching decisions that were being made, albeit with Jonathan Gannon as well, on both sides of the ball, everything was hitting on sync. You had coaches going and doing well. You had players playing well. This year, you got the player. You know, it was, it was a really great question that was asked to me yesterday. 
What would I give Jalen Hurts' grade so far as a player? See, what would you give Jalen Hurts' grade as a player without the coordinator's involvement? B plus. Yeah, I'm comfortable saying that. Jalen Hurts is held back by the lack of creativity and the predictability. You're not going to see that this weekend against the Rams. Senior, solid B? Yeah, oh, B plus. I gave Jalen a B without Brian Johnson, B plus. With Brian Johnson, C plus. Sure. Matthew Stafford versus Hertz so far this year. 166 attempts, 103. 1229 in passing yards. Here's where you got the issue with Stafford and the lack of a running game. 62% completion percentage. That is not going to win you a NFC West. When you have the quarterback can put up all those stats all he wants. If he's not being accurate right now and you're just relying on one dimension of your football game and your football team, and that's throwing the ball because the Rams don't have a running game. That's why that percentage is low like that. Plus, you have the three picks or the three touchdowns and the five picks for 78-1 in QBR. He's putting a lot of yards up because he has to. Because they're a one-dimensional football team. They're almost, how about this? I would make this point to you about the Rams. The Rams right now are a better version of the Minnesota Vikings. Because they're better on defense. Okay? Because they're better on defense. Hurts, 130. Let me see this. Yeah, he's thrown 36 more passes. And Jalen's almost has got as many completions. Stafford's got 103. He's got 88, 959. I mean, they really just aren't throwing the ball a lot. But here's the key. Here's why Hurts is, you know, you could, re- I look at that accuracy number more than I look at the passing yards, believe it or not. I know some of you are always looking at the passing yards and thinking I do. I look at the, the first number I look at at a quarterback, what's your completion percentage? That tells me if he's accurate or not. That tells me if he's accurate. And you got a quarterback at 68%, I'm going to round it up. That means out of every 10 passes, Jalen Hurts is completing seven. You're going to win a mountain of football games. A mountain of games when your quarterback is that accurate. When you got a quarterback and Stafford completing six, you're not, you're, you're going to have moments in the game where he's going to throw it to your guy. Okay. Now, here's the difference between Stafford and Hurts. Stafford's capable of going for 375 and five touchdowns, one interception, because we've seen it. And what's the one thing that plays into the favor of the Rams in this game? You have a horseshit pass defense. And when you have good to talented people that can get open, 
I believe Matthew Stafford's going to throw for a shitload of yards in this game Sunday. Does that mean they win? No. No. But this could come down to coaching. I think this is going to come down to coaching. And what I mean, what do I mean by coaching? Your in-game adjustments. Are you going to do this? Well, let's throw the ball and get in. You want to throw the ball and you want to get into a shootout with the Rams, you'll lose. If you want to go in and let Jalen be Jalen, 275, 75 yards rushing Jalen, you could put a 30-burger on them and hold them to seven. If you're just smart, they have not been smart coaching-wise this year. Every football team that you have played has had a last possession opportunity to beat you but the Bucks. That's coaching. Every team that plays the Eagles wants to do this. Let's make it ugly. Let's have the last possession. Let's go at it, and let's try to beat them. The Rams want this to be a fourth quarter game too. Last year, you were able to put teams to sleep in the first half. You haven't put anybody to sleep. Actually, you went into the previous game down 10. That's coaching. If I'm the Eagles, I'm running the ball right at Aaron Donald, wearing his ass out. Don't you see what Arizona did to a great pass rusher in Michael Parsons? They blew that guy's doorknobs off by doing what? Let's find out how tough he is. Let's see if he could play to run. They ran to the tune of 222 yards over Michael Parsons. I don't think Aaron Donald could play to run. And I've said this before to you. Can I? I'm going to make an, a proclamation to you that I said to Xander Kraus years ago when I first started here. I always thought when Fletcher's prime, he was a better ball player than Aaron, Aaron Donald. I'm sorry. He's a DT I want over him. I know he's an electric pass rusher, but Fletcher Cox plays the shit out of the run, man. Maybe that's just an old school guy. There was nothing he couldn't do in his prime. Stop the run, get you 10 sacks, nine sacks, impact the entire D-line. Fletcher Cox was a mother you know what man. I love the way that dude played ever since he came out of Ole Miss. I just love the way he played ball, man. A big physical presence in the middle. Dude, you can run. Do you think there's any coincidence that Aaron Donald has played on more defenses, on more defenses that have given up a nickel per rush than any great player that I can ever remember? I mean, go back and look. They give up more rushing yards with him in that D-line. Now, look, I know it's a different era. I know it's a different era, man. And, and by the way, I did hear about that epidural. That is a serious blow to the Eagles that he's out. That's a serious blow. Dude, it's not because the other guys can't do it. They like rotating those tackles in there. Milton Williams is going to have to be. Look, and I don't think that Rams offensive line is all that super. I think it's down in the 20s somewhere. So 
they're gonna they're gonna be fine in that. It's just a rotation thing. Anytime you take talent off of your roster, it hurts. Okay. It hurts. And I think that hurts your run defense a little bit. Those guys have had a really nice, good, hey, swear to you. Sales, what's the DT grade as a group? A. Even against Washington. A. Listen to me. Washington ran the ball for 107. And like, what was it, 3-9 a carry? I'll live with that all night long. I'll live with that all night long. Your problems are in the secondary. They're, your problems aren't in the D-line in the run game right now. Okay? Your problems aren't in the D-line right there. Hey, Sills, you know what you gave up? You gave up 107 and 3.8 yards of carry. Okay, I'm all right. I'm good with that. I'm, I'm all right with that. I come out of that game with my group. I look at those dudes and go, we're good. Keep playing. Keep playing. We're good. Like, if I'm Tracy Rocker, I'm not upset with that. I'm okay with that. And get this, I would go like this to you. Maybe not one of their better performances because there were some plays on third down they kept alive. You know, you you maybe want to correct some of those, you know, a little bit, but still, I, I thought it was a good effort against the run. Okay, I, I thought it was a good effort, man. Not their best, but it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Any team in the league would take that. 107, 38, yeah. You'd like that number around 29, get it? It's okay. Hey, it's better than getting destroyed by Arizona. Watch this. So far, the worst run game that the Eagles have played has been Washington, and they only gave up 107. I'd rather be Philly than Dallas. You know what Dallas is trying to make people in the media believe? That that Arizona game never happened. Okay? They're they're, they're trying to make you go, hey, this is the biggest game. Bro, if I were you, I'd put extra chin straps on my guy because you're soft. Or here, let's gloss over it and give the Cowboys a better word that the media is using instead of soft. Finesse. You're a finesse team. Philly? San Francisco? Here, you know who the bullies on the block are? You you know who a bully is, right? You know who the bullies on the block are in the NFC? Philly and San Fran. Those are the bullies. Dallas, Seattle. Detroit's trying to be a bully. They're trying to be. I'd say this, Detroit is the only team in the NFC knocking on the door right now that wants to get into the Philadelphia, San Francisco, Dallas group. And in my opinion, Dallas is closer to Detroit than they are Philly and San Francisco. Would that be fair? I think Detroit's closer to getting in the group. See, you guys have a select fight club. Now, when you get into a football game with Philly and San Francisco, you may lose a ball game, but you ain't losing the fight. Okay? You may win 35-34, but you're going to come out of that game 
And you're going to need body bags. Damn. We lost half our team in that win. That's what great armies do, man. Hey, you may win this battle, but you ain't winning the war. And there's going to be casualties on your side that you're not going to overcome. And at the end of the day, we're going to win the war. And we're storming the beaches of Normandy. San Francisco and Philly. Okay? They're the bullies. Dallas is a pretend bully. They're pretend. Okay? John McMullen thinks Dan Cilio's full of shit. Nothing but great respect for John McMullen. If that's his opinion of me, so be it. Congratulations to John and his success with Jody. I work for a team here. I don't talk shit on my guys, and I'm sure John was just talking in context of something I said, which is okay. I got great respect for John and a lot of respect for him. He does a great job and a great show, and I mean that with all my heart. Great respect for him. Um, the receivers. Pukunakua. Am I saying it right? This dude's got 39 catches. 501. 12-8. Who would I rather have? Him or AJ? I, I won't. I, hey, hey. Hey, wait a minute. Look at here. I won't embarrass you like that. Or Oh, no, wait a minute. Not you. I won't embarrass myself with that one. Puka. Puka. Nakua. Paki. Be, how about this? Can I do this? Mr. Mr. BYU. Can I do that tone? Is that all right? Mr. 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 BYU. I'm going to go there because I'm not going to try to embarrass myself here with that thing. Look, man, I don't give a shit what. I'm not even going to go through these numbers here with the Rams versus Devontae Smith and uh, I mean, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. It's embarrassing. Okay. The riches that the Eagles have at the wide receiver position is just unbelievable. There's very few teams in the National Football League. That includes the Rams. The Rams' only advantage that they have in this football game, it's really two things. Three. Well, it's not an advantage either. Because I do not believe that Stafford is an advantage over Hurts. Like, because here's, hey, does Matthew Stafford throw a better football? Yes. Is he a better passer? Yes. Is he more of a threat than Hurts? Absolutely not. But Sills, wait a minute. What about the coaching? Okay, it's kind of even then. The coaches make it even. The coaches bring Jalen back. He's still an advantage. But they make it closer. Okay, they make it closer. The coaches are the ones that have made these games closer. Not Hurts. Don't you see that? Surely you see this. It's not Hurts. It's the coaches that have made these games closer. How many times do I come out on a Monday and we talk about situation? You know what? A A tone, right? I keep bringing up that third one as a prime example. 
as a prime example, okay, as a prime example of fundamental in-game situational play calling and how you look at the game and the feel for the game. Tone says, of course they see it, but they just don't want to admit it to you. Don't you see that that third down play is a prime example in how they don't see the game? And I've been repeating that play to you because it shows you the mentality of how they've got their how they've got their um, headsets on, and they're looking at the game through binoculars instead of having their eyes wide open and seeing the entire field. That's what young coordinators do. They see the micro in the play and not the macro in the play. Like I said, that third and one late in the ball game, there's a really decent chance that they're going to get that first down anyway, Washington. So what do you do? As a defensive coaching staff, they don't get it. You make them go for it on fourth and one. Would they with the lesser team? Knowing full well you're going to get field position. What do you do as a coaching staff? Because you're so afraid of giving up the deep pass, you take your corners off and you make it an easier play, the next play on the second try for the first down. I can't tell you how ass backwards thinking that is. You make the lesser team, make the tougher decisions in game, every single opportunity you get a chance. You don't give teams opportunities because then you know what you end up finding out? You end up finding yourself on the one-yard line playing defense with no time on the clock, with a chance to lose the game, and the coach makes a conservative decision. You, you won that game because a coach played conservative with no time on the clock. You won it in overtime because you're the better team. Plain and simple how that Washington game played out. But that is a microcosm so far of how they are coaching Jalen. Maybe that's more the problem that I'm having here. It's not the the players are 4-0. The coaching staff's not. Then you got Nick falling on swords for these guys. You don't have to, Nick. The players will. They enjoy playing or they wouldn't be winning. Like I told you a few days ago, fans will scream everything you, you're saying in front of their TVs on Sunday. But because we got the win, they want to come in here on Monday and pretend they weren't ripping the coaches all day long. No, I know. It's okay. That's what most fans do. What they try to do is they throw 4-0 at you. But how they watch the game is completely different than what they're saying here. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, you know, in a, it, it's what I don't know. What Quan says about you, you, you're all right. Thank <laughs> you. You know. Isn't it funny? I asked you the question earlier why you didn't call a qualified coordinator like Eric Bieniemy, and not one of you in here would answer it. You'd rather take the lesser. So wait a minute. Let me ask you this. You really, for Jalen Hurts and his development as a player, 
you went with continuity and lesser talent in the offensive coordinator because you thought continuity was more important. Who thought that was more important, Howie or Nick? Usually coaches hire the best available candidates possible to fill a role, not a lesser guy, because they like the guy. I'm all for elevating from within. Hey, man, one of the things that I love doing all the time, you know, you, know, you know why Tone is on every week with me now? He's talented. He's talented. He deserves an opportunity. I gave Joy Taylor the same opportunity. I give people opportunity that work hard. I've done that my entire time. Entire time. You work hard for me, you get rewarded. Okay? Same with Joy. Nobody put Joy on. I put her on. You can do that? Yeah, it's my show. You can, you can make me an update person? Yeah. Have you talked to the bosses? No. 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 I know what's good for my program. People who work hard get rewarded. And I get they want to elevate Brian Johnson. Look, you can elevate Brian Johnson when you're nine and eight, not when you're 14 and three and you lose a Super Bowl with four minutes left in a game. That's not when you elevate training wheel coaches. Training wheels. Why didn't you call an experienced coordinator? For an experienced runner-up Super Bowl, you hired a less dude. Okay? Look at Joey. Jalen Hurts is a better coach than Johnson. Yeah, but don't you... You, you You know what's crazy? Tone, I knew I saw it from day one. And I pick up these little tiny things. Okay? Why is Jalen sliding before he's hit? Is it me? I think Tony would say, that's one game. Then I saw it in the Minnesota game. Then I saw it in the Bucks game. Then I saw it last week. And I'm like, so they want him to throw the ball more, and they want him to run less, and that's why Kenny Gainwell has more touches and more opportunities than Dallas Goddard because they're more concerned about Hurts running and getting injured running the ball. So what they decided to do was take the reps away from Goddard. That is an organizational thing. Okay. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, what's the excuse for not getting Goddard involved? When it comes to enemy, I'm sure if he would have taken the Eagles job anyway, here is why he 
chose Washington because there was a clear path to the head coaching job here. He knows Rivera will be kicked out. Well, I'll tell you something here to that take. I just saw two lesser coaches in Philadelphia get jobs. Two lesser coaches get jobs. I've been sitting in that place in Kansas City winning Super Bowls for 12 years. And if Washington turns into a shit show, you know what the owners are going to say? Ha! Ah, Sandy Reid. You hurt your value in Washington. That is a massive gamble for Bianami to go to Washington. It would have been a grand slam for him to go to Philadelphia. Why? I got a runner-up MVP. I got an organization that's going to do whatever it takes to win. I got a culture in the building that's A+. And you're going to get me the best talent possible. What's an easier road to get a head coach job in the NFL? Philly or Washington? What's a bigger gamble? Washington. Eric Bieniemy took the Washington job because Eric Bieniemy had no options other than to take that job. That's why. He had no other option. He had to take that gig or stay in KC as a puppet for Andy. You go to Philly and you get back to a Super Bowl versus Washington if you end up 8-9, Sam House sucks. Owners around the league are going to go, I'm not hiring him. It was Andy Reid, like we all said he was. But if you would have took Jalen Hurts back to the Super Bowl, he could have named his job. But you never called him. Okay. I guess. Okay. Hour number two coming up. Hey, by the way, our great friends at Hooters. We are so proud to have them as the official title sponsor of the National Football Show. We thank you guys so much for doing that. All you have to do is go to northeasthooters.com to find that local location nearest to you to experience what I've been talking about now for 40 years. That's right. If you don't want to go into any one of the places, you can go up to the app and go hooters2go.com. The iconic Hooter girls will bring the food out to you. If you want to go into the places, absolutely awesome environment. Tuesdays, some of the great traditions they have. Buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat. The happy hours are off the chain. Six bucks, six items. Fried pickles, get all your favorite drafts. Simple as that. Go to northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com to find a location nearest to you. And when you do, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sill sent you.
Ball and Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore Have a ball once more Here, imaginations run wild And time stands still Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore All on one five-mile island So leave the old you behind And get lost in the woods Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Football show, bottom of the hour, my boy Tone. The segment will be with us at the bottom of the hour. We will have Merrill Reese at 4.30 Eastern. Tony Saracusa, the last word on college sports, will be with us at 5.30. Before I get into defending Matthew Stafford here, what a big game for Brock Purdy versus Dak Prescott. Who's No question, Dak Prescott's under more pressure. If Brock Purdy beats Prescott, man, I mean, the avalanche of the beginning of the end will be Sunday. I think this is the biggest game that Dak Prescott has ever played in his entire professional football career. I think this is the biggest game. You can't have a $900,000 guy beat you in a somewhat of a playoff setting and think that the $48 million is worth the investment if you're Jones. Because then, in the NFC alone, that means you're behind Purdy and Hurts. You're going the other way. You're going the other way. Jalen, get this. Jalen Hurts' competition is Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. 
not Dak Prescott. That's who he's chasing down. Dak Prescott is chasing down Brock Purdy. Jalen, look at look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen for the second time in four weeks is the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Jalen is chasing those dudes. And in that conversation with them guys, he's not in Dak's conversation anymore. Look at how far he has taken himself and risen above and now in the conversation with the elite guys in the league. He's not chasing Dak anymore. He's chasing Mahomes. He's chasing Mahomes. This is the biggest game in Dak Prescott's Dallas Cowboy career. Biggest game. Brock Purdy wins this game. You're going to start doing this. You're going to start hearing cash register noises coming from his agent. You see, the problem is that you guys think that this guy is going to turn back into Mr. Irrelevant. The same way you thought Jalen Hurts was, I'm not saying you, but the national people and everyone in the country is thinking that Jalen Hurts was going to turn back in to the second round guy who was fired in Alabama. Well, he kind of put that in the rear view. Purdy wins that game Sunday, and he does it convincingly, and they wipe them off the field. He's going to start in the conversation where, get this, it's going to be Purdy, and it's going to be Jalen Hurts in the NFC. In the early part of the season, this is the biggest game in the NFC. Because it'll tell us a lot. These are two really good rosters. I would even make this point to you too. Mike McCarthy, Kyle Shanahan. Who's got more to prove here? Who do you think has more to prove? Kyle Shanahan or, or, or Mike McCarthy? Kyle Shanahan, you got to win a game, guy. Mike McCarthy, you have to prove on Sunday that it was an upgrade to get rid of Kellen Moore and have you as the play caller for Prescott. If that thing automatically shits the bed and you see Dak throwing pick after pick and the offense not going anywhere, Mike McCarthy could possibly be fired and Deion Sanders could be the next head football coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I wouldn't put that by Jerry. Would you put anything by Jerry Jones? Would you put anything by Jerry Jones? McCarthy, here's why. Shanahan has already proven he can beat the Cowboys. Did it last year in the playoffs. Fair enough. Jen has bigger playoff fish to fry. See, 
that's pretty much it too. San Francisco on Sunday is looking at Dallas as just uh, another game. Dallas is looking at as their October Super Bowl. That's Dallas's October Super Bowl. San Francisco, what's that date? November 12th? 12th or 13th at the link? That's their game. That's their game. There's only one game circled on the 49er schedule. It's you. The Dallas game is going to be a statement game getting ready for the November 12th game. Oh, my God. They want your ass so bad. And and get this. Get two bullies in a phone booth fighting. Shit. Someone's getting knocked out. You know what out. (laughs) Someone, hey, man, one one team believes they're better than you. The other team knows they're better than you. That makes for a tremendous heavyweight fight. It does. That'll be the game of the year. It won't be Kansas City and Philly. It's good for it, like Tyler Swift and shit like that. The game football fans want to see is November 12th. Lincoln Financial. Okay? That's a game where, you know what? Hey, do, hey, let me ask you this, man. Do they still have that? Did, did they bring the jail cell over from the 700 section at the vet? Did they bring, did they bring that jail cell or that... that um, that courtroom over? Did they bring that thing over? <laughs> you guys were holding court at the vet. Okay. They didn't bring it over? Damn. Tell you what, man. If you're a 49er fan, you, you might want to wear your shirt inside out in that day because I'm not sure I'd want to be in Philadelphia wearing a 49er gear because that thing starts – that thing's in a really close game. You better sit there as a good fan. <laughs> you, 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 hey, you better sit there as a good fan. <laughs> uh-huh. Walking out, man, you may get, you may get jumped. I wear Niners in Philly. Look at you, Niner. Look at me. Man, you know what, man? Hey, I don't care, man. I'm like Brock Lesnar going in. I don't care who doesn't. I don't care who likes it. Good for you, Peter. Good for you, man. I'm surprised they still have tickets to give away. (laughs) Um, You might not walk out of the link alive. That's such a great area ballpark i love the wells fargo down there hey by the way is the vet the parking lot where it used to be or is it across the way um where the vet used to be where because i i you know i've been to the link four times the vet's not in the parking lot it's on the other side of the parking lot where it used to be is that right you know what i'm talking about if the link is here wells fargo's here was it over there on that side? It was across the way over there, right? On the other side, because look, the link, and I'm facing like at Wells Fargo, looking at this way with that road. You know that road that comes up that side there? And you can get dumped off at the stadium? 
So I'm, it's Fargo, Link, and then it's over on the other side. Is that correct? Is that, is, that, is that where it used to be? It was demolished by implosion 2024, replaced Citizens Bank Park and finance, Lincoln Financial Center. Yeah. No, oh, behind me. Okay. Okay. There's a, home, there's a home plate of the vet in the parking lot. I got it. Hey, anybody who goes to the game for the next home game, please take me a picture of that. Please take me a picture of the home plate that's in the parking lot. I want to have that. I'm sorry I'm, I'm geeky like that. There's a, there's a home plate where the Braves play, where Aaron hit the home run at the old ballpark. They key, and I, and I, I got a... I got a plaque where Jackie Robinson was at UCLA. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sports geek, so I, I, I say pictures like that. So if, if I come off a little dorky on that one, um, you'll have to excuse me, but I'm a little dorky on that. Listening on the radio with doors locked, tinted windows. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, someone just take a picture of that for me and just send it over to my Twitter page, at Dan Cilio Show, if you could. I'd really love to have that. I'd love to see that home plate, the vet, where Schmidt hit his 500th off that plate mark, right? Where Steve Carlton won 27 games, and I think you guys only won 31 games. At, um, yeah, I know there was more. I just, you know, that, that was such the, – the, the field sucked. The environment was sensational. I liked it. It reminded – you know, going to the vet, you know what it reminded me of? Like going to one of those old rundown bars. Tone, when you went to the vet, I don't know if you ever went there, but going to the vet was like going to an old rundown bar under a railroad track. And they served nickel beer night. And it was just one of those places. Jerome used to tell me there used to be cats that used to go in the rafters and hang out at the vet. I went down in the locker room in there, man, and I'm like, Jesus, this thing looks like a like a prison yard. It had its own character, man. I love ballparks like that. I did. You know, I'll tell you what, Memorial Stadium, uh, where the Browns played, that was pretty dope. It was run down as hell. One in Memorial Stadium in Baltimore, too, man. I've never been, but they used to find dead cats all the time. Yeah. <laughs> dude man cats lived in that place it was crazy okay oh schmidt hit his 500th in pittsburgh okay i thought he hit i thought he hit it in um in philly thank you chuck i appreciate that yeah i'm a big i'm a big baseball guy yeah let's see henry aaron hit his 713th in cincinnati um then he hit his 714th off of Al Downing in Atlanta against the Dodgers. And my friend Tom House, who coaches, hey, you want to hear the connection Jalen Hurts has with Henry Aaron? So Henry Aaron hits his 714th home run in Atlanta. Tom House catches it in the bullpen. 
It's against the Dodgers. Tom House coach Jalen Hurts. It was against the Dodgers. And Hurts is playing the Rams this weekend. How you doing? (laughs) How's that for you? Connecting the dots. All right. Let me get into this one here. Hey, how about Devin Weatherspoon is now the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Remember I told you draft day? Or all leading up to the draft? This kid's my favorite ball player in the draft. He's my favorite ball player. He is. It's a sad thing what's happened with Christian Gonzalez. Okay? Okay? It's it's a sad thing. Who are you going for in the World Series? I think it's going to be Dodgers and Astros. I think it's Dodgers and Astros to get to the World Series. With their electrical devices in Houston. (laughs) Banging on trash cans or whatever they do. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever Houston does to win things, man. I think they bang on trash cans now or like pipes in the dugout or some shit. Oh, really, man? The new stadium in Cleveland. Not good, huh? All right. How, How should the Eagles defend Matthew Stafford on Sunday? I think Mets Yankees. <laughs> okay. Um, only in fantasy, dog. Well, wait a minute. Hey, Maniac, you believe Mets Yankees? Yeah, I believe that the uh, Cubs and Red Sox too have a shot. Blitz? So, Blitz, you believe that blitzing Stafford is the way to go? Blitz repeatedly. What if you don't get home? And they slide the protection. That means you have wide open zones. Are you comfortable with your safeties giving up, having no, having no help in the middle of the field versus a Super Bowl quarterback? This is the best QB you've played since the Super Bowl. You're, you, so if you don't get home and you don't get Stafford on his back, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I'm I, I, right. F- five star. There's a, there, that's right. That's right. That's right. One hit could change the entire dynamic of the game. Brock Purdy, NFC title game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Am I predicting a loss? Nope. Nope. I have not said you'd lose a game yet so far this year. I never picked against you in any way. Um, I knew these games would all be close. As a matter of fact, you know, the last two years, I predicted you'd go to the Super Bowl. You know, it's, you know what's funny? Hey, Tone, you know what's crazy? Last year, people think I, all I do is dog the Eagles. But why do you still always ignore the fact that I picked you to go to the Super Bowl? Stafford is good, but throws a ton of picks. And I'll tell you one thing too, Mark, 62% shows me that pressure has gotten to him. So you guys may not be wrong. You guys may not be wrong. Okay? But if you're going to blitz him, I'm not saying you're wrong. You better get home. Because he will find, he's not Baker Mayfield. 
he will find the open guy. Okay? If Cup is playing, I would say this to you about Cooper Cup playing. Um, what kind of condition is he in? What kind of game shape is he in? He's not in the flow of the offense. Okay? So, blitzing him, this is how I would go after Stafford. Now, to me, you guys are going to probably hate this. To me, man, let's see if we can get home. Let's start the game out seeing if we can get home. Because I want to turn this guy into a one-dimensional thrower like he is. They have no running game. Don't give them a Washington. You know what you did against Washington that was critical? You opened the door for third and short. Washington won first down on you every series. It almost seemed. That's how they stayed in the game. That's how they kept the chains moving. That's how they won the field position on you. And that's how they won time of possession. You understand if you win time of possession, most likely you've won field position. They had here. Here's something else that Washington did. They had more plays than you. They had more plays than you. They were on the field longer than you. And they won first down. And when you win first down, you're third and short. And that's why that 107 for Washington would be pretty much the same kind of philosophy the Rams are going to try to get. The Rams only need 115 yards rushing. Something like that to keep this thing close. If they can't, it's a blowout. It's If they can't get any... Washington made the game close because they were able to have enough to keep them honest. That's it. How was 290? He was good, but it was his fifth start. If they don't get that 107 and 39 yards per carry, he has no chance to win that game on the last play. He has no chance whatsoever to win that. By the way, don't forget, 430, my friend Merrill Reese and Tony Saracusa, last word on sports will be with us here. And coming up in a couple minutes, my man Tone's going to join us here. Um, That's how you defend. Stafford's going to be tricky because what else do you have to deal with? You have to look at Sean McVay's characteristics and what he likes to do. What do you think that Sean McVay wants to do immediately to the Eagles? As a superior play caller in today's NFL, what do you think he wants to do immediately to Philly defense? What's the one thing? First three plays of the game. I've already talked to Raheem Morris. You guys have seen numerous pictures I've posted of me and him. We, we've been friends 25 years. I've already talked to Raheem when it comes to trying to go after Hurts. He's asked me questions about Jalen Hurts. He's trying to spread you out as quick as possible. And what they're going to do, because they play so far off the ball, you know what Stafford's going to try to do? They're going to go quick passes to the outside. What does that do? That's going to bring those safeties up. And they're, they're going to try to hit you in the slot. 
that slot receiver that they have in Los Angeles will be the critical plus 25 guy. Because Stafford, in my opinion, because of the way you guys play off the ball, he's going to go quick passing game. Boom. Even if it only gets four or five yards, it's going to be trying to bring those corners back up because they play 10, 15 yards off the ball. So if you bring them closer to the line of scrimmage, what does that do? It opens up the slop. It opens up the slot and it gives you opportunity on plus 25 plays. But the key to that whole thing for the Rams, the key for the Rams is they got to get at least 111 yards somewhere in there, 115 rushing to keep the Eagles defensive linebackers closer to the line of scrimmage because that secondary help, if they start bringing those safeties and corners up, the linebackers, if they're still sitting in a deep drop, you're still protecting the zone. Stafford is, he he's really good at it, but this year, 62% completion percentage? I don't know. Let's bring my guy Tone in. Big sales. How are you feeling, sir? Pretty good. How are you feeling about as we get closer to, oh, by the way, the loss of Fletcher Cox on Sundays, what? Uh, I'm not happy about it. Um, that, like, like you said, that epidural situation, man, I know, I know how it affects pregnant women. So <laughs> imagine how it, imagine how it affects, you know, uh, these guys, man. But you know, when, when you think about it, Fletcher Cox, 33, 34 years old, man, he's up there. Right. So all that, all that tread on the tires, man, is starting to, is starting to, you know, wear on them. So, um, I mean, it's, it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt the rotations. It's going to hurt the depth, but I'm looking at this as an opportunity for Jalen Carter to be able to have that breakout game. He's had, he's had good games back to back to back, but he's going to be, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to compare his game. We're going to have an opportunity to compare his, his performance to an Aaron Donald, right? We're already comparing Jalen Carter to Aaron Donald in terms of quarterback pressures. You know, he's second quarterback pressures to Aaron Donald and he's playing significantly less snaps than Aaron Donald. I think there's about an 85 or 90 snap difference between the two players and uh, Jalen Carter is right behind him in terms of quarterback pressure. So um, I think this is a big opportunity for Jalen Carter, big opportunity for Jordan Davis and Milton Williams and those boys as well. Um, I think Marlon Tui Pelotu, the other DT, he's dealing with a little bit of an arm injury. I'm not sure if he's going to play or not, but this is a big opportunity for those young guys, and I think Jalen Carter is going to live up to expectations on, on Sunday. I think this could be a good sign here for Brian Johnson, and I'm going to – I'm gonna, I, we, we kind of broached this again yesterday a little bit. So Josh Allen has won his second AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Last year, everybody was screaming for Ken Dorsey's job because of the job that they were doing by allowing him to have more turnovers. Now, still, they won 13 games, but it just looked different. Right. You know how we're talking about Jalen now? It looked different. Looking different with a different coordinator? Yeah. How long do you go? Do you stay patient with Brian Johnson? Because – Here's what I don't want to do, Tone. You don't want to get into a position where you become a revolving door at coordinator, and this guy's getting new coordinators year in and year out. In my opinion, that's how you stun a quarterback's progression. Do you know Peyton Manning had the same offensive coordinator for a decade in the name of Tom Moore? Wow. Same guy. And the offense that they ran in New England, after a while – both Tom Brady and Bill Belichick became comfortable with going from Charlie Weiss to um, Josh McDaniel to Bill O'Brien because they same, seemingly had the same kind of rhythm 
and worked with Tom on Tom's rhythm and how he threw the ball. So to me, as critical as I am right now of Brian, you know, I, I'm just wondering because Ken is now being revered again because Allen's playing great ball. How long do you go with this? Do you run through the tape with it? And even if they don't have the success say they had, do you still stick with this? How far do you go with Brian Johnson? Oh, they're going to take this until the season's over. They're going to take this until the bitter end. You know, they had to live with this decision. Um, you said something um, earlier. Um, Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts, he hasn't really had an opportunity to have the same play caller or the same uh, coordinator uh, too often, right? I think Shane Steichen, he had, he had him back-to-back uh, -back seasons. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, he had him back-to-back -back seasons. So uh, that's the first time he had any continuity there. Um, I think obviously it was a highway decision to move up Brian Johnson. Um, but I think they also look at it like this. Continuity is important to the quarterback. Um, and, you know, not just the quarterback position, but it's important to Jalen Hurts. You know, he spoke about it many a times how, yeah, you know, this is the first time I've had a, a coordinator for back-to-back -back seasons in a long time. So I'm looking forward to it. So you can clearly tell it's important to him. Jalen was saying this last year. So I think the Eagles are going to ride us into the Wolves fall off. Um, Nick Sirianni is not going to call plays again. Um, he he already he already understands his strengths and his weaknesses. He'd rather be the CEO coach. He'd rather be you know kind of pulling various strings and keeping an eye on the entire team rather than uh, just focusing on the offensive side of the ball. And that was kind of why they were two and five in the first place in 2021. So I think they're going to ride this Brian Johnson train all the way to the bitter end. Okay, so in your opinion, and I'm not saying it's wrong because continuity is part of it. You'd rather hire the lesser guy than the more talented quote coach for your guy who finished second in the, in the runner-up MVP, who was a quarter away. Shit, wait, I'll take that back. Ten minutes away from winning a Super Bowl, you'd rather hire a guy who you feel more comfortable with than the better guy. I'll put it to you this way, right? My dad does uh, contracting work. You know, he uh, remodels homes. He does a lot of work like that, right? And I spend a lot of time with my uh, with my father all you know all the time. Watch movies. We do everything together. Um, that's spectacular. And, uh, also on top of that, you know, like I said, he does the contract and work, but would my dad ever take my advice or bring me on a job? I'm not handy at all. So my point is we're familiar. He knows me. We spend a lot of time together, but is that, but is that, but am I the person, am I the person that he wants to bring to that job? Am I the person he's going to hire? But that's Even, what the Eagles did. But, 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 but to your point, right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting to your point, right. The fact of the matter is I want the best guy for my situation. I don't care who you know, how you know him. I want the best guy to get me where I want to go. So, you know, you brought up a good point about this is a Super Bowl roster. Why are you taking a chance on a guy who's essentially unproven? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that with player personnel. You know, you wouldn't elevate uh, a developing tight end and try to get him reps if you're a Super Bowl team. You're trying to get proven guys on the roster so you can get to where you got to go. So why would you do the same? So why would you cut corners with the coordinator position? Again, I'm going to give Brian Johnson the benefit of the doubt and give him the entire season because I, I do want to see him succeed. That's you know that, that that's my reality. I, 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 I want to see him succeed, but at the same time, so far through four games, I have not been impressed. How about this? What rubbed the organization so wrong with Jim Schwartz, Frank Reich, Doug Peterson so much that – they turn around and hire inexperienced coaches. Or how about this? Lesser personality coaches, lesser authority coaches. What, what, why did they go from that dynamic with such powerful 
willful coaches to coaches that seemingly go along and get along guys that, like you said, continuity and guys know them, they feel better. But to me, that's the stuff that costs you in critical moments against Andy Reid and Mahomes in late games when you don't have that decision-making ability to understand what they're trying to do with you in the long run. It's just, it just, they went from one dynamic tone of all those talented coaches. Look at what Schwartz is doing with Cleveland's number one defense in the NFL. They went from that to Desai. Look at, look at what Frank Reich, he's a head coach in two different places. They went from that to Brian Johnson. I mean, Shane Steichen, I'm going to back up here and John McMullen's right. That guy is a hell of a coach. He's doing a great job. If it's not for the guy in Houston, Steich is probably doing the best job for a first-year guy. And he's doing a really good job with missing pieces there. Right. Why did they go from that to this? If I had to guess, I think they were scarred by Chip Kelly. I think I think Chip, I think the Chip Kelly experiment really rocked their boat and it, I believe it really had an effect on how Harry Roseman does business and how he conducts himself, right? But I, they I, won a Super Bowl with those guys. Right, I feel you. I, I understand. But um, I look at it like this. Harry Roseman is really big on making sure – how can I put this? He's the reason. So, <laughs> so, 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 uh, and, and look, I mean, no disrespect, right? You know, one day I may shake hands with Harry Roseman. You never know. But my point is – at the end of the day, Chip Kelly scarred this organization. And I don't think they ever saw themselves ever allowing another coach, another staff to ever, um, you know, run the show. We saw how they responded to Doug. You know, Doug won that Super Bowl with Schwartz and Frank Reich. I mean, all those guys have a tremendous amount of experience. But they decided to move on from those guys because a lot of egos got thrown around. So they decided to bring in the young guy, Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni brought in his people. Or well, Harry Roseman guided Nick to bring in his people, and here and we are, and we are where we are. Look, the bottom line is Nick Sirianni. You know he has been successful with this team. That's you no, know, regardless of how I feel about him personally, or how you feel about him personally, right? Or no matter what color pom poms he's wearing, the reality the reality is he's had success with this team, and I had to ride with that trend. Okay, so not to belabor the point here on right. what happened. Do you agree with me and Seth that that divorce between Doug and how things were unraveling was behind the scenes more uglier than what people were reporting? Oh, I, I think so. I think so. Because look at the, because look at where they went from, Tom, where I said they went from that to where they're not going back to that ever again. No, I, I completely agree. I, I completely believe that that situation was much more contentious than what has been reported. Because at the end of the day, these are people. These are people with power. It's a, you know, it's 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 millions of dollars in these rooms. Billions of dollars in these rooms. You know what I mean? It's a lot on the line. Egos, pride. Who's responsible for what? People want this amount of credit. People want this amount of control. You know, it's it's a, it's a it's a volatile cocktail. You know, for disaster. So I firmly believe those um those conversations between Doug and Howie and Jeffrey were a lot more contentious than what we realized. Hey, you know, millions for the MLS. It's a billion dollar <laughs> job. <laughs> hey, this is the, these are billion dollar decisions. Billion dollar decisions, <laughs> right? 
Like, uh, Dr. Evil, right? That's for, for sure. the MLS. All right. Oh <laughs> uh, man, we're gonna start calling Howie Dr. Evil, man. He just uh he just he just he has to be in control, man. He has to be in control. What about Randy Gregory? Would you be interested in him? I'm 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 torn about that because you know, I know the Cowboys, you know, wanted him back. Would you try he, to keep him away from San Francisco and Dallas? See, here's the thing, right? It has to go through the waiver wire anyway. It does. So, so I don't even think the Eagles are going to even be able to actually get make it to the plate. You get? You what I mean, like he's going to pick up the thirteen million dollars right now. That's what because it's five years, seventy million, or some money still owed on it now. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. He does have a lot of money. He's owed. There's so there's five a- years. He signed a five year, seventy million dollar deal. So we're talking about twelve five still out there. And to me, that's why I think there's hmm. a great chance he clears waivers. Um, he 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 can't hurt us. He only can help us. So. Um, to that point about the contract, now I doubt any team will pick it up. Most, most, most likely teams will just let that thing ride out. And then the moment the waiver wire, uh, the moment the waiver wire goes by, they're going to say, hey, listen, man, this is what we can do for you. So he's going to have his pick of the litter. He's going to get signed. That's, you know, oh, yeah. that's, that's not a question. It, the question is, will the Eagles, do the Eagles feel like they need to pull that trigger? Um, I think they do need a little bit more, uh, depth on the defensive line. Um, they're getting, you know, they're experiencing a lot of injuries this year. So depth will only help this team. And look, man, you want to make sure you got as many bullets in the gun to make sure you take down that elephant. So you want to make sure that, you know, this team is positioned, you know, like like you said earlier, right? Robert Quinn. I wasn't mad at that move at all. He didn't Absolutely give us not. He, he didn't give us a single sack. But I wasn't mad at that, wasn't mad at that move because at the end of the day, you know where your team is. You know you're that close. Why not give yourself the best chance? Keep taking swings, man. Keep taking swings. Why not? That's Why right, not? man. You got a home. That's like telling Schwarber not to keep swinging, even though exactly. he's six. Schwarber didn't even crack a 200 average this season, and he had he, he had a career high in home runs. I want that guy to keep swinging. Me too, man. <laughs> 46 I homers. That- I want him to keep swinging. Yeah, I'm gonna make a shirt for him that says "Swing Away, Dude." Yep. <laughs> over over 200 strikeouts. Yeah, keep swinging. <laughs> keep swinging, man. I'm good. All right. Right. Most impressed Eagles so far in the first month. Ooh, that's a good question. The, the Eagles that's impressed me the most. You know what? I'm going to throw a wild card in there. I'm going to say Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis has impressed me the most because when I think about those other guys, I expect them to do what they do, right? I expect DeAndre Swift to be electric. He's always been electric. Maybe he didn't have the, the, the career yards to match, but when I see DeAndre Swift play, he's a guy I want to pay attention to. Um, A.J. Brown, he's going to do A.J. Brown things. Devontae Smith, he's going to do Slim Reaper things. Jalen Hurts, I expect him to do what he does. The offensive line, I expect that. Right, Jalen Carter, I expect that. But Jordan Davis, we were kind of, we, we were all, as a collective, we were all kind of down on him. And um, I was down on him. And, I and, and look, I, I never called him a bust, but I knew entering this second season, this had to be a make-or-break year for him. He had to turn the corner, especially when you consider – Harry Roseman going back to back years drafting a defensive tackle. That's a that that's a, that's a shot across the bow. That's a message to let you know I'm not satisfied with this position. Oh, yeah. I need I need more here. So I've been extremely impressed with Jordan Davis. He's 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 got a sack. Um, he's got force. He has, he's got a force fumble. He's got TFLs. You know he's um uh the Eagles are ranked top three in run defense. I mean this is exactly why you brought a guy like this in with that athleticism. That's why I always said to myself, yes, I know he's a nose tackle. But they're using him in a lot more 40 fronts this year. And I think he's more comfortable there. It's allowing him to kind of have free range and move along that line of scrimmage. So I think Jordan Davis has been easily the most impressive player this season because of what we thought he was and what he's shown us to be today. 
I got to tell you, man, for me, I'm, I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised by Reed Blankenship. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I expected nothing out of him. I expected okay play. I didn't know. And there was more unknown there. You know, yeah. when you look at Jordan, you saw his athleticism at the combines. So you were kind of hoping he would kind of pull the trigger and live up to that right. with Reed. I didn't know, you know, I mean, he's tough. He plays tough. You know, he's still got a lot of work to do still on. I was high I, on Reed. I'll be me, honest. I was high on for me with Reed. I just think it's reps. Exactly. I was high on Reed for this reason. Um, His first game in, C.J. Garner-Johnson had got hurt. He came in for him in that Green yep. Bay game, going up against Aaron Rodgers. And literally, I think the first couple plays, he manages to pick off Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't fluky, though. It wasn't like it was a tip pass. He was in the right place at the right time. You know, you we see, you know, all, in my opinion, all plays, all interceptions aren't created equal, right? You, you know, there may be a situation where a quarterback just clearly overthrows a guy and the ball goes right to your hands. But with that interception, Reed Blankenship read what was going on in front of him. He didn't overreact. He was patient. It was almost like he was born for that moment. So I'm looking at it like this. When I see a guy who ha- who plays with the type of instincts that he plays with, sure, he may not jump off the charts athletically. He's not the fastest guy, right? But he plays the game physically. He plays the game with reckless abandon in the, in, in the right ways. And he just understands the position. I was a firm believer that just as a pure safety, I felt like he was better than CJGJ because he truly understood the role of the position. CJGJ is a slot corner by trade. So when I so when I put all that together, I was I was pretty high on Reed coming into the season. You know, he went to Middle Tennessee State, I believe, and that's the college where uh, I think his name is Kevin Byard. Yeah, uh, the safety from Tennessee, All Pro. So they had so they had they beat my Kings last year, man. I mean, they got some talent on that roster down there. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the former Florida State head football or former Florida State football player that was coached by Bobby Bowden and Mickey Andrews that runs that team. He's got some talent down there. And Kevin Byer wasn't drafted in the first round. Neither was and and Reed wasn't drafted at all. So they have some talent down there. Maybe maybe because of the school, they're not they're never gonna be high, but there's some talent down there. Absolutely. The only thing I ever knew was Wilma Rudolph, I think, came out of that place. I mean, she came out of Tennessee State. Excuse me. All right. Most disappointing player. Ooh, most disappointing player. Okay, let's think about this. Uh, I'm going to say, okay, it's not this player's fault. It's not his fault. But I'm going to say I've been really disappointed with Dallas Goddard. It's not his fault, though, right? We've seen the play calling. We we, we we see the issue. And 88 yards after four it's, games. It's unacceptable. We spoke about this uh, earlier this week. It's unacceptable to have a guy of Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard's caliber, that talent, that physicality, that athleticism, that, that technique. It's it's criminal. It's a problem. You deserve to be drug tested for not being able to find a way to get Dallas Goddard the rock. I don't understand it. And that's my biggest problem with Brian Johnson right now. It seems like he doesn't truly fully grasp what he has at his repertoire, or maybe he just doesn't know how to get him the ball. He doesn't know what to do with all this talent. Maybe he feels pressure to draw things up for AJ all the time. I don't know. I'm not saying, AJ, listen, you want to get the ball in your best player's hands. All about that. I'm all about that. But you have an offense full of guys that can just that can just destroy an opposing defense in so many different ways. You have an opportunity to, di- to diversify this catalog of, of play calling. 
You need to do better. Dallas Goddard is too good. He's getting paid too much money for him to be sitting there just blocking all damn day. I'm tired of him running them running them whack ass routes. Sills, get him out there in the intermediate, man. Send him out there to hit somebody. Do something with the guy. He's too good. He's too good. It's a problem. It is not his fault. It's not his fault. Do you think that they're that they're systematically moving Quez Watkins out of the offense? Ooh, that's an interesting question because he's been dealing with the hamstring. Haven't we seen the kid from Atlanta? He like with with more opportunities now. I mean, by the way, you know what had to impress him when when uh, I think it was AJ going down the field the and that kid right. from Atlanta. He's blocking his ass off down the field. Yep. Even AJ came over on the sidelines, tapped him on the hat, and goes, "That was awesome." Because he was like a running back watching yeah, this. Him kid. and Smitty was out there like just they did. And they, what makes it so good? They didn't get caught, they didn't get called for a penalty. They were they were just. Oh yeah, just, they didn't block from the side. They were just, there was no clipping. Yeah, they were just putting themselves in the way, right? Um, but to your point about Quez, look, I, I'm I'm not high and I'm not low on Quez. I'm kind of indifferent about Quez, and for me, that's a bad place to be with me. If I'm indifferent about you, then you know it's whatever. You know, for me, the play that signified to me their trust in Olamide, they went to him on back-to-back plays Yeah, in that fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the fourth quarter. They went to him on back-to-back plays. Uh, it was second down and third down. And that – and it was a crucial third – it was a crucial third down of that because if they don't get it, they're going to have to punt the ball. And then Washington gets that ball back, and Lord knows what happens. They went to him on back-to-back plays. Jalen trust him in that situation. And that wasn't just any kind of situation. Um, the defender was pretty draped on Olamide. And he did his thing. So I'll be honest. In that situation, I don't trust Quez. I I I I just don't. You know. I no. think they're weeding him out of the offense. Slowly but surely, right? Yeah. I don't. I, yeah. I know he's been hampered a little bit. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't trust. I don't trust Quez at all. I I, I think they're falling more in love uh, with Lamita today, and I think they're trying to do that. Here's here here's the last one here for you. Yep. Do you think it's time for the Eagles to make another move at punter? You know that punter didn't have a good day um, on Sunday. Uh, he he shanked one, um, but thirty-two yarder. Yeah, yeah, it, it was bad. It was bad. I would, and it gave him a position to go down the field, and they scored. Yeah, yeah. I I'll stick with him a, a little bit longer. Um, I I would stick with him, but you know, there's something I do want to talk about with you, Sills. That's really interesting about this Eagles Rams matchup, right? You know, the Rams, they are a team that's been good at home. All their wins have come on the road. And to make it even worse, on the road, they're only giving up about 95 rushing yards a game. At home, they're giving up like 150, 160. That's too drastic of a disparity. So in my opinion, the game plan for this Sunday, you got to be physical. You got to punch these guys in the mouth. I'm running right at Aaron Donald. You know why? I don't feel the need to get into a gun show with the Los Angeles Rams in week five. What's the point of that? They're the finesse. Coach, they, the coaches don't need to overthink this. Just keep pounding them, pounding them, pounding them, and then your play action and your RPO is going to open up. The pass game is going to open up. I don't. I don't think they need to enter this game feeling like they need to throw across the yard. That's the kind of game I'm the Rams gonna, want. I'm going to make a proclamation here that I will not bang on the Eagles on Monday if I see this. Okay. Forty-eight carries, twenty-five passes. You're not going to hear me go. Where the hell's the passing game? Because this game dictates. Beating the Rams up. They are a finesse team. If you get into a passing game with them, you could be beat. 
exactly. because of the play calling, because of the talent they have at the Y and Z, and because the quarterback knows what he's doing. And if you're going to blitz him and you don't get home, you're going to have a problem with that. And then you're going to be on your heels like you were in Washington. Yeah, the, the, to the your Rams, point, their best player is Aaron Donald. You got to run at him and make him a non-factor. Hey, Tone, to your point, if you know that I can beat your ass because you have one hand tied behind your back and I'm pounding the hell out of you, it's up to you to get that hand free. But why in the world would you take that away and you fight with one hand? Don't do what you're – it's playing to your opponent's it's strength ego, if you instead ask me. of weakness. If you ask That's me, it's coaching. ego. If you ask me, it's ego. You know, I feel like sometimes these coaches, not just the Eagles, but I feel like in this passing league, a lot of these coaches, their ego takes over in the play calling, and they just want to sling the ball across the yard. And my thing is, you know, why why, why are you trying to prove that you can throw 300, 400 yards a game? You don't need to prove that. You need to prove that you can win the game in a, in a multitude of ways and show dominance. And- Do you remember what I said earlier about coordinators in the year? I said this. There's some coordinators that want to put a lot of points up and put a lot of yards up. But there's some coordinators who want to win games. Okay? Shane Steichen was about winning ball games last year. Absolutely. This coordinator is about putting points up and yards up and trying to be balanced and everything. That's not that's not the that's irrelevant. Right. What's relevant is to you like you say, the thing that made the Patriots such a sensational 20-year thing. If Brady had to throw the ball for 135 yards in a game, and they ran the ball with some guy. How many times would you see this dynamic tone? One week, running back from New England would have 225 yards rushing. That same running back would be deactivated the next week because it didn't match up with the personnel that they were going to be playing against. And what made them so good, they were chameleons each week. That's why that roster, when you look at that roster New England had for 20 years outside of the legendary Brady, It was about guys who were hybrids that you could go to a 34-43, put a guy's hand in the dirt, stand him up, the the Teddy Brewskis, the the Vrabels, those kind of guys where you could just go up and down and it didn't matter, but you were chameleons to the type of personnel that you were going to play. And that's why I like Jalen Hurts. He just wants to – that's why I like Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts doesn't care about – slinging the ball 50-plus times. Jalen Hurts cares about getting the W. He doesn't care. Yeah, but the the coordinator does. Man, I, I really hope – one thing, I, I'll give Brian Johnson credit for this. You know, in that Vikings game, he woke up and said, you know what, passing is kind of lackluster, let's run this ball. So he's had moments where he's read the game situation and and molded the game plan towards that. I felt I felt like in that Washington game, he regressed. He got caught up. He, he got too pass-heavy early on and didn't really rely on that running game to set the tone. I feel like in this game, you're going up against the Los Angeles Rams. Like you always say, they drink wine spritzes over there. They eat cheese with toothpicks over there. Those guys are soft. Like, come on, man. Like, like you need to run the ball. You need, you need to, you need to bring Philly to SoFi. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what? But like, like you know, you're a bully. Act like it. Like when you get in, you know, people are. What 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 Raheem Morris told me. What he wants to do. He wants to get, and so do the coaches in Los Angeles. They want them to get into a shootout with the Rams. And, and they want to make thing, right? they want to make it an car. ugly fourth quarter game like every other team has done. Exactly. When there's no need for it. Yep. And, and guess what? Here's another thing, too. When you throw the ball a lot and you throw in completions, you stop the clock. Correct. So 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 you're hurting your you team. You bring teams part. back into games when you do that. Exactly. Another thing as well, really quick before I get out of here, Big Seals, you know, 
Cam Jurgens is going to be out. Cam Jurgens has been okay, but overall, right now, Cam Jurgens is going to be out. You have a right guard coming in in Sewell Opeta. He's pretty solid. The Eagles are pretty good with their dead pieces when it comes to when it comes to the offensive line. But you want he's going to be going up against Aaron Donald. You want to get Sewell Opeta confident. Run that ball. That's what you have to do. You have to establish the offensive line's confidence, especially Sewell Opeta, because he's going to be coming in. You want Sewell Opeta confident. You want him playing his best. Get him going forward first. Don't have him backpedaling 40-plus times a game. Get him going forward 30-plus, 35-plus times a game, and guess what? Aaron Donald will be a non-factor in this game. Like you said, Jalen Hurts throws 25 passes, and he gives you two or three passing touchdowns, and you got one or two rushing touchdowns. You got over 180, rushing. You can't stop it. No one has been able to. Can't defend it. Can't defend it. You can't, By the way, up, you can't get caught up with the sexy conversations, but people always, oh, yeah, the Eagles, they haven't figured out their passing game, and you know, all they do is run the ball. You know, they're old school. They're, you know, they're prehistoric. I don't give a damn. Are we winning? Are we smacking the hell out of you? Okay, sit down and eat your Cheerios. How about this, man? This will happen at So High Stadium on Sunday, man. You, This is when you know you're not in the right building and you're an Eagle fan. When you're sitting next to a dude, and the dude goes like this. Hey, dude, pass the hookah, man. <laughs> is, is that Humble County green or is that Sensimilla Napa? Dude, I'm looking for a brat and a burger. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Chardonnay and vaping, man. Man, listen, when I'm at a game, so you know what you know what I'm going for? I want I want some chicken and peach fries to my love. Yep. I want I want a I want a sloppy cheese steak just yeah. going down my yeah. arm on the right. Yeah. I want a Wings. beer. I want a beer right here in my cup holder. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I, when I leave the game, I want stains on my shirt. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? I want I, like I don't go to football games to look pretty. I don't go. To I want to stagger out of a game. <laughs> listen, listen. In, in my in my single days, I don't go to football games to pick up chicks. Okay, I go to football games to scream loud and curse oh, people yeah. out. You know what I'm saying? So like, my thing is like I'm. I need this game to get ugly for you know you know for the Rams. Yeah, I, I need I need the Rams jerseys. To be more dirty than ours. As a matter of fact, I need the Rams. To, I need the Rams to run out of Tide Pods because that washing machine is going to be on overload. Okay, those those jerseys. Listen, man. Name tags gonna be ripped off. Numbers gonna be hanging off, man. Shoulder pads gonna be chipped up. Listen, the Eagles have an opportunity here. They have the game plan. They have the blueprint. They have the tools. Don't overthink this, man. Just run the rock. Run the rock. Set up your play action. Your RPO. You got. You have the tools, man. Why act like you don't know how to build the house? You know, Can you got you imagine it. Big Sills as a fan when the vet had the jail back in the day. John Walsh would have been looking. This is one of America's most wanted. If you've seen this guy, this guy used to throw people off the 700 section. <laughs> we, <laughs> dude, that's the kind of ball games. That's the kind of fans I want, man. I, this, the Rams, the Rams and the Chargers, don't, don't the Chargers play like the Raiders this weekend? I think they played them last weekend. Holy cow, that thing must have been a train wreck, man. Yeah, I think that they thing played them, must yeah, have they been... them last weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I got to take a look week. at what – Dude, So High Stadium is going to be so packed with Eagle fans on Sunday. Bro, the I Rams mean, don't have man. a real fan base. It's L.A. They don't have a real fan base. It's not a sports town, dude. It's not. It's a Hollywood it's fakers town. All they care about is their Dodgers. That's about it. Do they? <laughs> That's about it. He said, hey, man, they? thanks a lot, Tone. Hey, listen, Do they so really care it, about the always. Dodgers? Okay, I guess. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I guess suppose so, man. I don't know, man. They got a great hot dog. I've, I will say this to you. The Dodgers have a great hot dog. They got a great hot dog. I've eaten, I've had hot dogs there 
and their beer's pretty good. Chavez Ravine is a pretty cool place. I will not lie. Um, I've gone there a couple times, man. That's a good place. Uh, you know, if you think about it, of all the great ballparks, it's the very, if I'm not mistaken, is that the first professional ballpark on the West Coast for Major League Baseball beginning in 1959? Now, the Dodgers played at the L.A. Coliseum when they first moved to Los Angeles as they were making Chavez Ravine. And, yeah, by the way, it's really great to see Mexicans going back to Chavez Ravine after they displaced every single family in Chavez Ravine to build the place. Should be kissing Fernando Valenzuela's ass every day because he's the guy that brought everybody back to Los Angeles. If Jackie Robinson is the most important Major League Baseball and one of the greatest people in the history of American sports, Valenzuela is the most important Dodger in Los Angeles because he brought everybody back to L.A. All right. We will talk to our great friend, and that will be Merrill Reese at 4.30 Eastern time. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. 
And if you join our Winter Watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Football show appreciated. Merrill Reese will join us at the bottom of the hour as we get his thoughts on the Eagles' first month of the season here. Dick Vermeil is going to be honored at halftime by the Rams or by the Pro Football Hall of Fame because obviously he coached both the Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, where would you put Vermeil in Eagle history? Where would you put him in the hierarchy of Eagle football when it comes to building an organization? I got a, I got a different take on Dick Vermeil than what most people do, especially people in Philly. How would you, how do you look here? Here's some of Vermeil Super Bowl win, obviously with the Rams AP coach of the year, 99 two time pro football weekly NFL coach of the year, 79. That was with Philly. And 99, Eagles Hall of Fame, St. Louis Football Hall of Fame, Pac-8 Coach of the Year when he was at UCLA, led the Bruins to the Rose Bowl, has a Rose Bowl championship. That was in 1975. How do you look at him? When you look at him, what's your take on him? Top five? Let's see. I can't wait to talk to Merrill because Merrill's going to see him out there. Top five? Let's see. Doug? I'm not ranking. Andy? Would you put his buddy a top five guy? Vermeil? Doug? Andy Vermeil. Who else? Buddy? Buckshaw? My take on Vermeil is this. Every single place that Dick Vermeil had to go into outside of Kansas City was a rebuild. And Vermeil had to rebuild culture. He had to rebuild it with hard work and dedication and over-the-top at times desire to be the best at what he did. It drove him. I'll tell you, I got a great chance. Dick Vermeil started working, uh, calling games for ABC, and I got a chance to meet him. When I was in the World League, he was calling games. And he did a ton of our games. 
and he come down and we were talking. This was, I think, before he got back into coaching in Kansas City. And he came and he would come down and talk to us. And boy, I'll tell you, you when you're around a guy like Dick Vermeil, you just feel the energy when you're in a in a room with him and his desire. Man, he's got a whole different look at how he sees Jalen Hurts. In my opinion, Dick Vermeil, I think Dick Vermeil was a better coach than than Andy Reid in Philly because he had more to do. He, he, he had an awful owner who had gambled the franchise away. He had no resources. You know the one thing he did have, though, that helped him, in my opinion, build that – Dick Vermeil built the fan base back up. Of all your coaches that brought people back to the vet, it was Vermeil that brought them back. Am I right when I say that? That Vermeil was the guy who brought the Philadelphia Eagle fans back to the vet. All these coaches, okay? All these coaches benefited from what Vermeil. You had nobody going to games prior to him. What was that, Hugh Campbell? What was the guy's name that was the head coach prior to him? Nobody was going. Nobody was going. He not only had to build the trust of the fan base, but he also had to build a culture. Right? Can you imagine going to an Eagle game today with 20% capacity? Can you imagine? That's what he dealt with. Nobody was going to Philadelphia Eagle games. You can say whatever you want. You They weren't going. Everyone knows the franchise had fallen flat on its face. The city hated the team. They hated where they were going. They were never winning. Okay? Mike McCormick, that's it. Mike McCormick. The dark eras of the Mike McCormicks. I can't wait to get Merrill Reese on at the bottom of the hour to get his opinion on that. Vermeil took over St. Louis. Do you know he was this close? Do you, you know what Mike March told me about Vermeil? There was a general manager in St. Louis at the time. I believe his name was Charlie Army. And they were working for Georgie Franier, who had inherited the team from Carol Rosenblum. And they, they, they wanted that team moved back to Los Angeles because they hated the fact that that thing was in St. Louis. And they knew the value. You know what Stan Kroenke's first things that he said when he bought the team? I can't wait to move it back to L.A. Everyone in the building and everyone in the ownership meetings knew right away that the number one objective was that Kroenke was going to move that thing back. Stan Kroenke, why do, you, why do you think Stan Kroenke moved the team back and how do you think he moved that team back to Los Angeles? Do you guys know how he got that done? The only way that he was going to get that done and why there's a shitty fan base in Los Angeles, they weren't going to build him a stadium in LA, Hollywood Park. They weren't going to do any of that. He wrote a check. He took out some of that Walmart money and stroked a check and paid for it himself. And then he turned around, said, I need another tenant. So you know what he did? 
He stole the Chargers from San Diego, and he goes, you pay me $1 a year in rent. But I get, the, I get all the benefits of the concessions and parking for that $1. They get no money for it. They get no money. The only thing that the Spanos family has acquired in that move was that their team value went up. Their team value. That's why you don't have any fans in L.A. People in Los Angeles weren't screaming for the Rams to move back, let alone have two NFL teams. The value of the league went up. That's the only thing the league cared. They didn't give a shit if they ripped the hearts of the St. Louis football fans or the San Diego Charger fans and San Diego football fans. You're never going to see a publicly funded stadium ever built in the state of California ever again. And every professional sports league knows that. That's why the A's are moving to Vegas. That's why the Raiders moved the hell out of Los Angeles or um, the Oakland Bay area. They got that stadium built. You know why? They moved it into Raider country thinking the Raiders were going to move in. But Mark Davis got ahead of the game and got a bag of money from Carolyn Goodman, who was on our program, and they funded a stadium right near McCarran Airport. That's why they hate the Raiders. They hate the Raiders, and the reason they went after John Gruden is because Mark Davis circumvented the fact that the 49ers don't have a tenant in there the same way that the Chargers don't have a tenant. I have been told this by Jerry Jones himself. That's the business of the NFL right there. The reason that they moved that stadium where the Niners played, there used to be this big thing called 150-mile radius where you couldn't have a team inside a 150-mile radius. What they do, they condensed it and moved the 49ers stadium out of so, uh, SFO area over at Candlestick Point and moved it into Raider country because they were forcing the Raiders to move there. Okay? They were forcing the Raiders to be a tenant and share in the bonds that they put up for that thing. Oh, guess what? Mark said, screw that. We're not going to go in. My dad would roll over in his grave, went to Vegas. That's why the 49ers right now, they're, they're behind in their payments even on that those bonds. You're never going to see another professional. Why do you think that arena got built down in? They moved it out of Oakland. Oakland was never going to pay for an arena. The, the, the business of the NFL, dude, the Rams and the Chargers have no fans. They have no fans. The NFL make you think they got fans. It's an embarrassment. Really, the most embarrassing stadium in pro football is so high stadium. Am I right, Yale? I work with a Bay Area Raider fan. He hates them now. Yeah. Yeah, am I right? That's how that whole thing played out. Nobody in Los Angeles was screaming for the Rams and the Chargers to move to that thing, man. Nobody. That's why they got no fans. That's why when Steelers or Packers or Eagles go into those places, they're count. there's more... Raider fans in Vegas than there are Rams fans in Los Angeles. It's an absolute embarrassment. It's the most embarrassing fan base in pro football, but they don't care why. 
Because Stan Kroenke stroked the check. That's how the Rams got there. It's utterly embarrassing. So when you watch that game, know this. Even the people in Los Angeles don't like the Rams. Okay? Even the people in L.A. don't like the Rams. They left once. Do you hear him? The NFL was fine without him. Is that why they put robots in seats? Absolutely pretending to be um, Rams fans. Shit, man. You got more LA Galaxy fans than you got Rams fans. The NFL is a colossal failure in Los Angeles. They won't tell you that, though. It's a colossal failure. Because if you had to pay the notes on all those things, Stan wrote the check. Stan wrote the check. It's a colossal failure. Okay? Yeah, those robots are... I mean, watch the next time you watch a Rams game. Watch how many fake fans they put in the stands and look at them closely. They're not real people. They make it look like it's a sellout to fool you that L.A., was starving for football. Take a look at the, that they do it with the Charger guys too. Why? Well, hey, I've seen <laughs> did, how many people in here did not know that. How many people in here didn't know that? By the way, Merrill Reese, bottom of the hour. Cardboard cutouts. <laughs> hey. I'm just, I'm just telling you, man. Okay. Let me get to this topic here. Would it be a crazy comment for me to say this to you? This, this even sounds crazy. But at the end of the day, is it possible that Jalen Hurts will have a better career than Russell Wilson? Is it possible on what we're now finding out that Jalen may actually have, when everything is said and done, okay, everything is said and done, Um, everything is said and done. Everything that's said and done that he'll have a better career. JM says, I don't think so. Very possible. Got to win a chip. Agreed. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, sir. Got to win a chip. You guys are dead on. The chip kind of separates you, doesn't it? Okay? The chip separates it. 85 goes, Dan, you got to agree. Sirianni's the best coach in the NFC East through four games. No way. Not me. Best coach in the NFC East is the guy in Washington. He's doing it with less. Sirianni and that coaching staff is the reason why 
you guys are playing close games. You don't have as good a coaching staff as you did a year ago. Oh, wait, that's an even better one. Okay. Do you guys think you have a better coaching staff this year than you did a year ago? Wow, I never thought of this one, guys. Tone, right? Do you believe you have a better coaching staff this year than you did a year ago? No. To be determined? Hey, Yale, why would you go into a season having that as an outlier question? Why why would you go into that? You know what? I was just touting my friend. And they're going to be honoring Dick Vermeil. They're going to be honoring Dick Vermeil at the halftime of the game on Sunday. We're going to get Merrill up here in a second as soon as we can connect with him. So we'll go back into that. So let me let me finish up with that comment that I was making with you until we connect here with, with Merrill here a little bit. You think you have as good a coaching staff as you did a year ago? Yes or no? We're winning. I didn't ask you that, mister. Do you believe that you have a better coaching staff this year than you did? How about this? Did you think you had a better coaching staff the first month of the season last year or this year? No, our coaching staff, worse this year. Shane Steichen's doing a hell of a job. And you know what? I was wrong. And my next guest was absolutely right about Shane Steichen because he's coaching his pants off right now in Indianapolis and doing a great job. But get this, on Sunday, Dick Vermeil's going to be honored by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Coach with the Rams, coach with the Eagles, and I said this to you, Vermeil's importance to the Philadelphia sports community is this. Is he not the coach that brought the fans back to the vet? Let's bring in Merrill Reese, who started calling games. When he came in to the broadcast booth was when Dick Vermeil was there. Is that a fair assessment, Merrill, that Vermeil was probably one of the most important people in Eagle history, that he brought the fans back to the vet? And not only was he that, Dan, but in my biased opinion, of all the managers and coaches in all sports in the history of this great city, Dick Vermeil is held in the highest esteem. Wow. Of all the people since you've been all in the, the broadcast booth. Since I've been alive. Holy Which, cow. Uh, that's 115 years. <laughs> it's got to be great to see him on Sunday because he's going to be there and he's going to be honored. And, I, and you know what, Merrill? I said this about him also. Every place that he went into, except maybe Kansas City because the Hunt family, they kind of keep that thing on the same railroad tracks each and every single year since um, Lamar was there. But that's always been a good organization. But most of the places were rebuilds. What was it like being around him when he first became the head coach of the of the Eagles? Energizing. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. He moved a mile a minute. He was uh, he was Mister Energy. Uh, you know, I talk about sitting down and talking with coaches. You couldn't sit down and talk to Dick. You had to move as he moved, 
And if you were doing a 10-minute pregame show with him, at about nine minutes, he's looking at his watch nervously. And as I say, thanks, Dick, he's gone. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. He was there 20 hours a day. Merrill, was there some there was there some reservation in bringing because if I'm not mistaken, he's the only other coach outside of Chip Kelly that you brought in from the college ranks during your time to be head coach. Was there any reservations in your opinion hiring a college coach back then? I don't think so. Uh, not not in the case of Dick Vermeil, who who followed Mike McCormick uh, to become the Eagles head coach. Because don't forget, he had just won the Rose Bowl with UCLA, and he was the bright young coach who beat Woody Hayes. So I thought it was it was really exciting, and I think most people did. First month of the season in 2023 for Merrill Reese, looking from above down onto the Eagles, has been what? Fun, a lot of fun, uh, and and really they are four zero. I mean, as we talked about last week, there are no pictures on the scorecard. You win or you lose, and they're 4-0. Okay, well, let me ask you this then, Merrill. People are saying this about Brian Johnson, that the offense is sputtering a little bit. And I want to bring a point up to you that I had my, my, my guy on in the first hour. We were kind of talking about it. Look at Josh Allen right now, Merrill. He's won his second AFC Offensive player of the month with Ken Dorsey. Last year, they were talking about those guys getting on the same page. Now, all of a sudden, Josh Allen is playing great football because they're in sync together. Do you think, even though they're friends, Merrill, it's just taking a little time to get everything all hooked up looking like it did a year ago? Well, number one, they don't play in the preseason at all. There's no hitting in the preseason None of the regulars play in the game for, for two minutes in a preseason game. So that's one thing. Number two, uh, I love Josh Allen. I think he's an amazing quarterback, a great athlete. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want Jalen Hurts playing the way Josh Allen plays, and his coaches don't want him playing the way Josh Allen plays, and that means throwing your body into harm's way. Josh Allen will take on linebackers. He flies through the air with the greatest of ease. I mean, he's he is amazing. But Jalen Hurts is purposely taking a lot of the run out of his game. I mean, most RPOs are P. And that's that's what he's doing. And if he takes off and he sees somebody coming up, he politely slides down or gets out of bounds. That's what they want. Two years ago, he hurt his ankle this time. Last year, he hurt his shoulder in Chicago. Missed time. Their goal is to have Jalen Hurts around for 17 games plus. So that's what they're doing. But it's a different approach than what we've seen in the past. But I think, to be honest with you, Dan, it's the only sensible approach. I don't know if, and, I, and I'm not saying this to jinx him, because I, I told you I think he's a great quarterback and probably a great guy. And I think the world of Sean McDermott, who's a friend, but I don't know if Josh Allen can make it through a season with that kind of reckless. And, and I mean that in the admirable, you know, being admiring how he plays, but um, it's, it's dangerous the way he throws himself around. 
Most impressive Eagle for you in the first month of the season has been who? Well, Jalen has been fine, but of the of the guys you really didn't expect these things of, um, how about DeAndre Swift? He's been amazing. Amazing. Um, you know, you can't just say one. How about Jalen Carter, who has arrived as if he has been in this league forever? And one other guy who I want to tell you, Dan, he's he's probably the best in football right now at his position, and that is Britton Covey. He, he is amazing. Going back to last year, uh, to the sixth game of the 2022 season until now, he is leading all punt returners in yards and an average. He has he can break open a game. How about Reed Blankenship, too, man? Well, he's, he's terrific. He's a good football player, but I expected him to be. Uh, he's, he's very, very solid. He's a terrific safety. They can use one more. And I think, actually, they have another one who is going to be ready very soon, and we've spoken about him before. But he will solidify that group, and that is Sidney Brown. Are you concerned about the loss of Fletcher Cox on Sunday because of the epidural now? It, they ha- Hey, I'll tell you this, Merrill. I think you have an upgrade, and I'll get your opinion because I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I think Jalen Carter, if you have to evaluate the money, because you always do because it's pro football, the money that was given to Javon with $20 million versus a rookie contract, the impact he's making, I think this group – is better than it was a year ago. And Fletcher Cox has been kicking ass in the first month of the season. His impact to him not being out there will be what, in your opinion? I don't know. Uh, He's good. He's really, really good, and he's played at the top of this game. And if he misses this week, and I'm not 100% sure, but if he misses this week, they say he'll be back in a week. So worse things can happen to your roster, as you know. I mean, they lost Devontae Maddox, their nickel corner for the season. So if you lose somebody, even an impact player, other than a quarterback for one game, you know, especially in an area of depth, they'll be okay. May not be Fletcher, uh, who who replaces him, but uh, he, it'll be they have enough talent on that front line to make up for it for one game. You know, I'm hearing Randy Gregory could potentially be added to the mix here too. So they may be still looking to add some more pieces to this. So Merrill, I'll say this to you though. The one thing that has been disappointing has been that they've not been able to get the football to Dallas Goddard, 88 yards. He's been really a non-factor. Now, I'll say that just in the passing game because if you watch him in the run blocking and you watch him, he still is part of the dominating run blocking game, Merrill. But for you, not having him part of the offense when it comes to the play calling and getting him the ball in the air – what do you, what do you, in your opinion, what do you think that that, again, does it get rectified? Is it just something that they're working out? Yeah, I, I just think it'll happen. But two things, Stan. He caught a couple of balls last week. Each one of them were critical catches that he had to make. And Nick Sirianni says the attention he draws opens things up for the other receivers, even if he's not getting thrown to. But he will get thrown to more, I'm sure. He's a great player. Yeah, you know, and, and, and Merrill, for me, again, Kenny Gainwell, give me your sense of why he's such an important part. Is And I brought this up, and tell me if you agree or disagree. I think these are where Jalen Hurts' carries were last year. They're going to him instead of they're going to Hurts. And you talked about it at the beginning when we first started talking here today, that, you know, 
This is about preserving, not playing like Josh Allen. Do you think that's why the importance of having Kenny Gainwell's out there? Because he's got more touches right now, Merrill, than even Dallas Goddard. And it looks to me those were the carries that Jalen had a year ago. They're going to him. Is that his importance in the offense? Well, a couple of things. I noticed that they're putting him more in late game situations where he can run the ball. But even more importantly, he's a good blocker in the backfield. He's probably the best guy to have in the backfield to keep uh, Jalen clean before he throws a pass. Uh, He also catches the swing pass very, very well. But the bell cow back on this team is DeAndre Swift. He has been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But keeping something else in mind, if you look at DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift rarely in his career has had anything approaching a full season. He does get hurt. So if you can minimize the carries and keep him fresh and get Gamewell in there, and don't forget Boston Scott, he hasn't gotten his share of carries yet either, and Boston's a terrific, terrific player. Uh, I can understand, rather than loading up one guy and risking a shortened season. Okay, so how about this? You're going to So High Stadium, and you're going to see more Eagle fans at So High Stadium uh, when you go in there. So, Merrill, at the end of the day here, you're going to feel like you're at the link on the West Coast here, man. That's got to well, be – you're going to have a lot of fans. I hear it's not a bad booth. I don't know. I hope So High Stadium doesn't turn into be So Far Stadium because the newer the stadiums, they put us – They put us further and further away from the field and from the 50-yard line. I hope they don't put us out in Carlsbad, California or something. (laughs) And you you know you're in the – I know that I'm in the wrong place, Merrill, when they're they're serving me cheese and wieners on a a toothpick with Chardonnay. I just know (laughs) that I'm not in the right place. Me, I'm a a brat and a a beer kind of guy, so I don't want anybody showing up like this, Merrill. With a napkin over his arm, trying to give me a white wine spritzer, it's not going to work for me. Well, whatever, whatever they give me, I just hope I can see where I am. You know, when I did the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty Two in Minnesota, the one they won, we were seated in a corner of the end zone. I told you that, but when they said to me, "Were you nervous when Brady loaded up the last time?" I said, "Yeah, not about him connecting, about would I be able to call it cleanly." Because we were we were 110 yards away from where that ball landed, corner of the end zone. Oh, it's it's an awful sight, and um, well, we won't even talk about the dump in Washington. We, <laughs> at Pittsburgh isn't any good, and Arizona's down in the corner. Although we got the home booth, which was at least at the 10 yard line for this past Super Bowl, but the, the but these beautiful beautiful stadiums. I shouldn't care because I shouldn't say anything because I don't think listeners really care about where. No, you. I think that, you have to have perception of the game. You can't be behind us. Like the one in Dallas, when you not agree, where they sit you guys in Dallas, I mean, they're, if you're sitting at different seats, you're, you, you don't have a very good view of the entire field. Well, the, the difference in Dallas, the difference in Dallas is, number one, we have this huge, huge booth that has its own bathroom, its own refrigerator. It's a luxury suite. Number two, even though we're in the corner of the end zone, when I, I can see them pretty easily from the 40 or 50 yard in, and when they're on the other side of the field, we, we merely look down at that gigantic board and call it off of that. And that's pretty good. You get used to that because you can see it cleanly. It's in real time. 
except when a play starts and they're still focusing on a cheerleader. Then it becomes difficult. Absolutely, Merrill. I so appreciate it. And by the way, have you called the game at this stadium? No, I've never been there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know that it's bad. I'm saying I hope so high isn't so far. <laughs> Merrill, have a great trip. Um, and let's see what happens. This should be a very interesting football game, as they always are on a Sunday and any given Sunday. Thank you so much. Merrill Reese will be calling the 4-0 Philadelphia Eagles as they take on the 2-2 two two Rams. Thank you so much, Merrill. Thank you, Dan. Great being on. Bye-bye. You bet. That's our friend Merrill Reese. Absolutely, man. Love that. I mean, that. see, now if you go into the stadium, it's not that bad a deal for the fans sitting in the stands. It, it's it's just, it's it's not that bad actually going in there when you sit in there. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an interesting game coaching-wise. I think this game's going to come down to coaching. I do. I think this is going to come down to what Tone said in the first or in the second hour, excuse me, what, what he said. He, I think this is going to come down to what don't worry about the Rams. Worry about you. Hey, do, do we agree? The Rams can't stop the run. Why would you want to throw the ball? Ego? Why would you want to throw the ball? It is a dump outside, Pete, where that stadium is built. That's an absolute fact. Okay? Hey, you drop Oreos in a fryer? I've actually had that. It's not horrible. It's 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 not horrible. Okay? If it comes down to coaching, we're screwed. JoJo, no, because you're 4-0. Your players, your players are better than anything. Once You haven't played a team that has a roster that's even remotely close. You're winning because you have better rosters right now. The only reason the games are close is because of your coaching. You know, it's been a theme today. It's been an absolute theme today. When it comes to, you know, when we ask the question, do you do, do you believe your coaches right now are holding the team back? And you guys fire up 4-0. And I say this, you're 4-0 because you have good football players. You're not because you have good coaches. Like, do you think this same coaching staff would, hey, do you think this same coaching staff would have the Rams at two and two? What do you think Sean McVay would do with this coach, with this talent, if he was the head football coach of the Eagles? What do you think McVay would do? If McVay was the head coach of the Eagles, you think you guys would be sputtering? If he was the head coach of the Eagles, you guys would be the best team in the league. It wouldn't be close. And Jalen Hurts would probably be the top passer in the game. Because that coach in Los Angeles is a coach. Okay? 
you have a cheerleader. And that's why the games are close. Cheerleader Nick versus Super Bowl champion McVay. Don't go there. I don't want this game to have to come down. to. You know what? Tone said this a couple days ago. Dude, seriously, Riverboat Ron got off the boat to make the decision not to beat the Eagles. You lost anyway, guy. Why not at least go for it winning it? And if you lose it, you lose it. You don't lose by uh, – who, who's your player of the month again? What's his name? Who's the player of the month? Jake Elliott. <laughs> Jake Elliott. Okay? He didn't try to win. You don't, you're not going to beat the Eagles in overtime with the lesser team. He didn't have faith in his team? No, 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 Steve. He didn't have faith in his decision-making because he was afraid to lose his job. That decision may still cost his job. I'd rather have a guy go for it and have to pull him off the cliff than watch a guy walk back from the cliff. That was a terrible look for Ron Rivera. It was a terrible look for him. He had the Eagles in their hands, and he walked it back. Nobody wants to walk into a locker room when you have the defending NFC champions on the ropes. Well, let's try to win it in overtime. Who thought they were going to win in overtime? I surely did not. They were gassed. Yeah, okay. But the Eagle defense wasn't gassed. It's a lame-ass excuse. Lame-ass excuse. Lame-ass excuse. I see people go like this. Hey, man, why are you upset that the Eagles are 4-0? I'm not upset that the Eagles are 4-0. I'm upset you're not a Super Bowl contender right now. You don't have Super Bowl coaches. You've already proven that. You going to go for 2-0? and Oh, by the way, are you going to go for 0-2? You don't have Super Bowl coaches. You don't have Super Bowl coaches. You got coaches that should be coaching a temple. I was never 4-0 in my career. Really? Okay, first year with these coaches. If they are still this bad next year, then I'll start worrying. Yeah, well, Dirty D, the coaches you had last year all got head coaching jobs. You think these coaches are going to get head coaching jobs? Say you go and you win 13 games and you keep every team in the games. You think any one of these coaches you have on your staff right now are head coaching material? Do you think any one of these guys that you have right now are head coaching material? Let me guess. Yes. <laughs> yes, Phils. I think they're head coaching material. Yeah. Nick Sirianni's first appearance. Really? So you think a guy sitting around waving pom-poms versus a guy who is a play caller. Nick Sirianni had play calling taken from him. That's what Jonathan Gannon said. Had it taken from him. 
because he was so bad. Those are cannons, you know. That's what he implied. Our head coach isn't head coaching material. No. Um, but I would say this, Dirty D, that he is maybe, um, and, and to go with what Tone says, maybe he is the modern day NFL guy. Maybe he's the modern day NFL guy. Analytics is killing the NFL right now. Coaches don't know how to coach anymore. Coaches better stop listening to Chris Collinsworth. Pro football focus is a joke. It, 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 it's a joke. It totally is a joke. Maniac goes, Sirianni's a solid man. I'm not, I don't know him as a man. I only know him as a coach. You think, so you must know him as a man? Let me know about how he is as a man. He seems like a really good dad. I'm sure he's a great dad. But as a coach, I don't know. From what I've seen, he's a cheerleader. I'm with Angelo on this one. I think your coaches are – I'm not – it's too early to say they suck, but I'm just going to say that – how about this? They have not been impressive. They've not been impressive. Jalen Hurts is keeping you afloat. That I will agree with. And, and, and Senor, I think it was you. Yeah, Hurts is almost at an A – He's almost, he's weeding through it. He's B-plus to me in there, okay, with the coaches. He's a C-plus somewhere in there. I said he's a solid man, not a solid man. I said he's a solid man, not a solid man. Oh, okay. Solid man, solid man. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Oh, four, where are thou? <laughs> solid man, solid man. Oh, four, where are thou? As I go through the trees of the forest of the NFL. Oh, hearken, I go to the stadiums each and every single Sunday with my warriors in tow. What do I see? I see maniac. And he says, a solid man is a solid man, you turd. Ow. <laughs> He's solid, man. Not a solid. Okay, maybe he... Okay. First grade reading level. You've been demoted from third grade sales. Yeah, sure, Twiz. Whatever, dude. Yeah, no, you're probably right. See, because when I left Miami, my degree, I folded up and put it in my wallet. Seals, you picking the Rams? You guys want me to bet against the Eagles? I'm, I, I never, I haven't bet against them yet. Okay, I haven't bet against you guys yet. Oh, for where art thou? <laughs> oh, for where art thou? Oh, oh my God! This is a great one. I wrote this down. I'm so see. I have to write Cliff notes down. DeAndre Swift. Okay. Christian McCaffrey's play is increasing the value of DeAndre Swift. Yes or no? 
Is he increasing the value of DeAndre Swift as Swift plays well? Richard, no! Swift is better! No. I am an ass man, actually. Thank you. Good night. How many people believe that the showing what the importance of having a player like Christian McCaffrey, hey, your guy went after Christian McCaffrey, remember? One of the teams that were in the bidding war for McCaffrey when he was in Carolina were the Eagles. That's a fact. Okay? He wanted him. He wanted him. So say Swift ends the season. Tone, real quick. You think, does Swift get 1,000 yards this year? Does he rush for 1,000 yards? If healthy. I think so, too. Five a clip? You guys think it's not easily. You know why, senor? His health will be an issue. Talent-wise, you're right. Matt, you got it. Matt, you have it. Healthy. Okay. What's he on pace? How many many yards receiving does he have? Let's see where he is. But then again, the Eagles are atrocious in screens. How many receiving yards does DeAndre Swift have? Okay. He's got 37 receiving yards. Or is he averaging 27.8? Is that what I'm seeing? Tony, is he averaging 27.8? Tony, is he on pace for 27.8 receiving yards this year, which is 30? Does that sound right? 30 because this will be a factor okay so you're telling me this guy's this guy could potentially have a thousand yards receiving 500 yards almost or a thousand yards rushing and 500 yards receiving he has 37 yards on the season okay that's what I thought I saw Seven times. Four equals. Okay. So 10. So how about this? If he gets 200 yards receiving and 1,300 yards rushing and has a total of 1,500 yards from scrimmage, is that possible, Tone? I'm, I, I believe those receiving yards will go up, okay? And I think you'll get more than 10, 10 yards a game. A little under right now, but I think you'll get more than 10 yards a game, which will put him around 200, somewhere in there. 
So if he has 200, 1,300 yards rushing and 1,500 yards total from the line of scrimmage, and he's showing you, like, again, if you put DeAndre Swift in a, in a, in a passing offense with, say, the guy up in Buffalo, he's going to catch more passes. I see him having around 1,100 yards rushing and 400 yards receiving. Holy shit. What would you pay for that? And McCaffrey, we found out, makes $16 million. Swift does have good vision, Greasy. Swift has great vision. Absolutely. Has great vision. Acceleration. All of that. Doesn't run the con. He's totally an upgrade to Miles. Okay? Miles runs the contact. He totally runs the contact. The better he does, and to look at what, what um, I'll make this point to you here. How many yards is Christian McCaffrey averaging rushing? How many yards does McCaffrey have receiving? Christian McCaffrey is on pace this year for 1,200 rushing yards and just under 1,000 yards receiving. And I believe his contract is up. And he's in the MVP conversation right now. I would tell you this, McCaffrey is, wow, he is some ball player. How old is Christian McCaffrey? He's 27? So if I pay McCaffrey, when is McCaffrey's contract up? through the 2025 season, would you let him go into the final year of his contract? So you got one, you got two more years with him at 16 million. Would you extend him in the off season? Probably not. You'd probably wait in the off season of the 24 year, get to the top of the hour. That's when you renegotiate because you don't want him to go into the final year of his contract, become a free agent, have a 1200 yard, thousand yard receiving year and he's still only 29 years old gotta be under 30 years old and he could have won a super bowl probably by then too i would make this point to you here man there is no question he is the most important player on that football team in san francisco i think brock purdy's having a great year brock purdy doesn't come anything near what he's having without that guy and i'll make it i'll make another comparison to you it Kurt Warner doesn't play the way he plays in Los Angeles if he doesn't have Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk, um, here's a stat with him. Speaking of Marshall Falk, Christian McCaffrey has 12 games where he's rushed for 
a touchdown and caught a touchdown in a game. There's only one other back in NFL history that has more than him, and that's Marshall Falk at 16. This guy is Marshall Falk. Now, do I think he's a, as, as physical a back as Marshall Falk? Probably not. Okay, probably not. I have McCaffrey on my fantasy team, but the dude will get hurt like after like after a year. Um, Maniac, I don't think he got hurt last year. I think Maniac, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he start the year out hurt last year in Carolina? Matt, I'm with you. It's close. It's close, but it's still Falk. I'm with you. How many games has he missed with injuries? He he has been hurt. I'm not, I know. I, I got it. He's he started the year out last year, and that's kind of why everyone we, we were all doing this with him, right? We were all going like this. Hey man, it's gonna get hurt. It's gonna get hurt. And I don't I don't think that they have lost a game. Someone said Kansas City last year that they lost one game with him since he's been there as a starter. I know he got into Denver game, but he just got there that week. He wanted to play because that's where his pop played. Okay? He is a – has he been the most impressive football player so far this year? Has he? Casey has first game – was his first game back. Oh, yeah, well, that he didn't start that game. Okay, he didn't start that game. He actually has a line that blocks now. Injuries won't be a thing like it was before. Yeah, but Christopher, the one thing that you'll say about McCaffrey, that 49er team is a physical football team, and they call plays in the, in the to be a physical team. They run him a lot in, in traffic. And I know Carolina did the same thing. You're right. They had a worse offensive line, but they ran him. They they ran him very physically in Carolina. Top three running backs, McCaffrey, Swift, and Pollard. What do they all have? This is what I'm saying to you about DeAndre Swift. Look at what Maniac just said. See what Maniac, Maniac just made my point. Right here. Tone, you see that right there? Our good, our good friend NJ Fishing Maniac. Top three running backs. Notice he doesn't have Derrick Henry in there. What do they all have in common? They're dual threat backs. Swift's gonna make a shitload of money in the offseason. Swift's gonna make $15 million, $13 million. Then the question mark would be: what do the Eagles do? What do the Eagles do with DeAndre Swift? Hey, there'll be decision-making at the end of the year. We don't have to make that decision today. I'm not trying to. But I'm saying, remember, as this thing as this thing continues to move on, there's other guys on that organization, and the priority on how Philadelphia goes about their business, okay, 
Take the comp pick, Scott says. That'd be the MO of the organization, wouldn't it, Scott? There's no such thing as hometown discount. That stuff is for the 70s. Hometown discount? Jalen didn't give you one. Why would anybody else be get willing to give you one? Brandon Graham gave you one because he's 36. Fletcher wanted to stay too. Young players, why would a running back, and, and, and get this, why would a running back in today's culture of the NFL, where the NFL shits all over them, want to give a team the benefit of the doubt when they don't give you the benefit of the doubt? Okay? Why would a team do that? Why would a player do that? Eagles aren't trading for Gibbs. They'd rather go into the draft or find a guy. Or t- Again, this, this may be one of the best moves that Howie made this past season. The two moves that he has made, I mean, the money that they gave Jalen Hurts up front, and on top of that, what they're doing right now by getting DeAndre Swift. Maybe even the Zach Cunningham, and we'll see how this Nicholas Merle thing plays out. Christopher, who yelled and screamed at us for letting go Sanders. I did? I never yelled and screamed. He's averaging. I never. That's not true. I yelled and screamed for B.J. Robinson. You're, you, you're, that's not true. I said, why not get one of the better football players in the draft at a position that could help your running back so that he could help Jalen? Instead, you got Kenny Gainwell. So you'd rather go with Gainwell than B.J. Robinson. That was my take. I never screamed for Miles Sanders. As a matter of fact, I kept asking everyone, has he done this before in the past? And when you look at his numbers, he really never did. The year previous to that, he had no touchdowns. Okay. No, 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 no. You said, why the hell would we let go a thousand yards? No, 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 no. Why not get BJ Robinson is what I said. Hey, you, whatever. All the shows, you can go back and watch them. It's up to you. They're right there at Jacob Sports for you. Right there at Jacob Sports. Um, there's no question DeAndre Swift I can't wait so to my point about Christian McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey is helping you didn't necessarily scream for Sanders what you screamed for was the Eagles to have a reliable dynamic back that could take pressure off Hurts Thank you very much, Tone. That's exactly what the point was. And it seems you have one. But it's funny how you use them. If you guys think that Swift is such a great replacement, why didn't the Eagles think that in game one? Tell me. If you think he's such a good replacement, how come your coaching staff didn't think he was? Coaching staff didn't think it. The opening game on Brady night, you don't even play the kid barely. What do you have, two touches? 
familiarity? Oh, I see. So the second game, that picked up, right? <laughs> Why didn't you play him in week one if he was so so wonderful? Or do you think the Eagles didn't even know what they had? Do you think that's more it? Or maybe Brian Johnson didn't know how to use him because he hasn't figured out how to use Goddard. It's one or the other. What is it? Pick one. He didn't know how to use him. He didn't know what he had. Or what? Swift gave him a hometown discount? How did Swift give him a hometown discount on a trade? What hometown discount? It was a trade. It was a draft day trade. What hometown discount? Parking? Ask the coach. No, I'm asking you. Is it Brian Johnson or Howie or Nick or who? Why didn't you play him in week one if he's such a valuable piece and potentially the MVP your first month of season? Dirty D goes, because I think the Eagles thought he, they had a depth guy. Oh, so that's why Penny's not playing then. Why is Penny on the team still? Why is Penny on the team? Insurance? Okay. He's not that expensive. Why is Penny on the team? Here, here's, my, here's my question marks for you. Why is Penny on the team? Why is Goddard not getting the ball? Why didn't you start? Or I don't even think you started Swift in the game one. Who made those decisions? Players get hurt all the time. Brian Johnson has been the OC for four games. How long has the Eagles offense bad under your boy Frank Wright a full season they won a Super Bowl with Frank Wright Any, anything you say is irrelevant they won a Super Bowl with Frank Wright um, when Carson Wentz had Frank Wright he was an MVP candidate when Carson Wentz had Frank Wright he was throwing for 4,000 yards 33 touchdowns when Frank Wright was in the building he was arguably one of the best quarterbacks the franchise has ever had when Frank Reich was there. That's who Frank Reich was. Look it up. Almost all your single season records that you have are Carson Wentz under Reich. That's a fact. And he won home field advantage for you. Hour number three. Our good friend, Tony Saracusa. College football, one of the biggest stories in all of football, Deion Sanders. Remember what he said when he came on the last time? This is just a publicity 
It's a publicity show. I wonder what he thinks now of what Coach Prime is doing in Colorado. That's quite a story going on. Between Taylor Swift and Dion, two of the biggest stories going on right now. We'll talk to our friend. Last hour of the program. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. National Football Show, final hour of the program. Our good friend Tony Saracusa will join us at 5.30. Um, so Jonathan Taylor is back practicing with the Colts. little advice for him here. If I were him, I wouldn't say another word. I would be a company soldier until I got the hell out of that dumpster fire. And it's not so much that Shane Steichen is running a bad program. It's the owner's terrible. Anything you say to defend yourself, he'll try to do whatever it takes to diminish you in a way that could hurt your 
ability to make more money in the open market. So if that's me, you have to bite your tongue. You have to act like a, how could I say this respectfully without coming off like a total tool? Like cattle. And you just have to go along with the herd. Yes, sir. Where do I go? What pen do I go to? Do I go here? Where do I go? Do I go here? Then you can get out and maybe pick an organization that will treat you with more respect. The problem with the owner in Indianapolis, he doesn't respect his players. That's one thing you give the ownership in Philly a lot of credit for. They pretty much respect their guys unless you don't respect the process. Because if you don't respect the process in Philly, they'll get rid of your ass in a second. But if you respect the process, they'll give you latitude. That's how you become a Philadelphia Eagle. Frank Reich told me that. It's not about going along, getting along. It's respecting the process. And that's why some people can coach there, some people can play there, and some can't. It's really not the fans. It's the organization and how they do business. If you can't tolerate Howie being in your sandbox and everybody's sandbox in the building, this is why you haven't won more Super Bowls and why you win and you're 21 and one. It's the greatest example of 21 and one that I could give you and why you are 21 and one. 21 and one. Every time, hey, everybody, bring up your 2020, bring up your 21 and 21. Please do it. Bring up your 21 and 21. 21 and 1. Go ahead, bring it up. Post it. Post your 21 and 1 record. That's exactly who you are. You're right. 21 and 1. That's your identity. Yep. 21 of the last 22. That's exactly who you are. I agree. You finally sold me over. That's exactly who you are. You're 21 and 1. Congratulations. I don't know what it means, but you're 21 and 1. That's your identity. No question. Twenty one and one. It's totally the it's totally the absolute truth on who that and who you are. Yes. You're twenty one and one. Twenty one and one. Right. Yes, sir. Or 27 and 11? Oh, no, we're going there? No, I like I liked the 21 and 1 better. Oh, I, I like the 21 and 1. Not a bad identity, though, Sills. 
would be like the Raiders. No, no. But I think it's exactly what and who and how the organization is run for the last 30 years. You're 21 and one. Yes, sir. Undefeated. Undefeated and 21 and one. It's exactly who you are. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Kind of. And let's see what the uh, Chiefs are in the last five years. Two Super Bowls. Five AFC championships. That's kind of their identity lately. And yours is 21 and one. Who would you rather be? <laughs> oh, man. You're right. There's a difference right there between you and the Chiefs. You're 21 and one. That's your, that's according to you guys. That's the identity. And the Chiefs. Let's see, man. Hold on for a second here. Let me get this. God, I never believed it. Hey, man, did Stevie Nicks die? What is the Kansas City Chiefs record over the last five years? They're 63 and 19. <laughs> Kansas City, 63 and 19 and two Super Bowls in the last... Five years. Wow. No, no. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, no. New what? You're okay with an identity of 21 and 1. You you guys crow about that all the time. That's your identity. You're damn right. I personally think that's why there's no Lombardi trophies outside of one. In the last 30 years under Jeffrey Laurie. Because you run your organization from the owner's box. Let's take a look at the coaches that have won Super Bowls. Does Andy Reid have total say in KC, you think, with uh, Brett Veach? Didn't he bring Brett Veach in? You think Andy has total say? You think Andy's got total say in KC? You think Carroll's got total say in Seattle? You think Bill had total say in New England? During the Brady era? Well, shit, I know Jimmy did. Andy kind of had total say. In Philly? Did Andy have more say than, uh, say, Joe Banner? Or was it a shared? Was it a shared deal? Bill's losing his hold on that franchise? Well, after 25 years, senor, did you think it was going to last forever? What coach has lasted 25 years in the NFL? Shula? So Shula, Don Shula, you think Don Shula had more success than Belichick 
they've pretty much coached almost the same length of time. And Don won two Super Bowls. Belichick won six. And he had Dan Marino. He had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Belichick didn't have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Don Shula had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. What has Belichick done without Brady? He drafted Brady. He developed Brady. He brought the pieces in around Brady. I'll go one better for you. What player did Tom Brady have that, and I bring this up to you all the time, that as a skilled player was a first-rounder? They didn't have one first-round draft choice at any time in that offensive huddle as a skilled player in the Super Bowl era. Maybe Sony Michelle at the end. But as a wide receiver, they weren't winning Super Bowls with first-round picks and Hall of Fame. There's not one player that Tom Brady played with that was a first-round draft pick that's going to the Hall of Fame that they won Super Bowls with. Not one. Bill does not scout great players. Let's take a look at that. Really? Well, how did he win six Super Bowls? He went and traded for Welker. He turned Amendola into a wideout. He turned Edelman into one. He has top flight defensive football players that he's drafted and developed. And on top of that, at one time, Tom, at one time, Bill Belichick drafted four starting quarterbacks in today's NFL. I'll give it to you. Jacoby Brissett has started in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo has started in the NFL. Matt Castle has started in the NFL. Brady. Mac Jones. Six. NFL quarterbacks he drafted have started in the NFL. He may not know wideouts, but he's drafted starters. You could say Jimmy Garoppolo, he's just as accomplished as your guy. And I don't care what you say about it. His postseason record is superior to Jalen's right now. Jalen's got some good, Jalen's two and two, has an NFC title. Garoppolo's five and two. He also has an NFC title. Wake me up when he passes that. We'll get there. We'll see. Jalen's still early in his process. We'll see. We'll see. Matt Castle won a division title in Kansas City when he got traded there. Went 11 and 5 when he was the starting quarterback when Brady went down. They finished second to the Dolphins that year. The only team in NFL history to win 11 games and not make the playoffs in the current format. It's not a stat chaser guy. It's a fact chaser. It's a total fact chaser. And Jimmy Garoppolo, they call him trash and he's 49 and 17, five and two in the postseason. And you call that trash. Okay. Okay. Your definition of trash is, I don't know. I don't know what you think trash. I mean, I, that that's winning in my book in any way. 
Like Tone says, I thought it was all about winning, not style points. But some of you, it's style points. Oh, we'll see. Because style points right now, your coaches are holding your kid back. Jimmy G's Bobby Hoeing. Okay. Hey, to each his own. To each his own. And by the way, since when did winning and W's and L's become a stat? That's not a stat. That's who you are. Winning and losing, I didn't bring up one stat about Garoppolo. Passing, INTs, because you can't do that with Hurts either. You can't bring up touchdowns and touchdown passes. and You bring up W's and L's with him. Dual threat stuff. Right? You use that same metric and how you look at Jalen to shit on other guys who are as or more accomplished to benefit and make your guy look better. Well, we'll see. You're 21 and one. That's your identity. Hey, I never thought of that. You're 21 and one. You sure are. You sure are 21 and one. Oh, man. Absolutely. Um, hey, there's nothing wrong with Corey Dillon. Was not drafted by the Patriots. He was drafted in Cincinnati. Read a book. He was drafted in Cincinnati. He was a Bengal. Not a patriot at first. You can absolutely use Jalen's TDs. Okay. Great. I'll use Lamar Jackson's TDs. The race is between him and Lamar right now. And he's got two less wins in the postseason than Jalen Lamar. But he's also got a unanimous MVP award. When Brady, Mahomes, Breeze, Rodgers were all in the game. Remember that when it comes to Lamar Jackson. All those players that were in the NFL at the time, he won a unanimous MVP. Unanimous. Ain't no second place there. Unanimous. And he's a year older. He's a year older. Funny how people look at people in different lights. It's okay. Because again, I get it. It's not a I'm not ripping you. 2023? Well, Hertz is not playing as great a football as he did a year ago. Oh, wait. So, Arthur, do you think Jalen Hurts is playing as good a football right now as he did a year ago? Here, watch this. All you need to know is certain people in here. Arthur. Is Jalen playing as good a football as he did a year ago? Well, 21 and one is participation records. 21 and one. Every time you guys, 21 and one, man. That's, that, you're right. 
Four and out, 21 and one. That's who you are. Absolutely. Last 30 years, four and out, 21 and one. Yes, sir, man. Holy cow, I never thought about it. You guys are fantastic. Fantastic. 21 and 1. 4 0. You bet you are that. And I say that to you because your front office, man, and your coaching decisions, hiring those assistant coaches, Sean Desai was probably the third option. And because, and, and, and I agree with Tone what he said about Brian Johnson. They probably wanted continuity. You know, you're not going to land on a good coach every time, even though there's great success in Philly when it comes to um, hiring good assistants. We'll see. Jalen and Lamar are both playing worse than last year, and they both have new coordinators. Todd Munchen is a much better OC, though. Yeah, but Dirty, why would you change an offense around that the guy won 75% of his ball games with? Was it really the offense? Or is the reason that the Ravens are a little bit better this year is because they're playing better football on defense? I mean, right? So what was the problem exactly? They want to have him. See, what they're doing in Baltimore is exactly what they're doing in Philly. They want these guys to be more of pocket passers. Both guys aren't. Both guys are electric in open space, and both guys are 275 and 75 yards. That's who they are. Let me say this to you. When you let those two guys play to that and those numbers and those trends, they're more – they're as – they may be even more dangerous than Mahomes. But when you start taking carries away from jail and giving them to Kenny Gainwell, you're going to get a problem. You're going to get a problem. The dual threat quarterback. That's why you're seeing more of these guys being successful in the college game. Like when you, you look at Shador Sanders and you watch the way he's playing and you look at Caleb Williams, that's exactly the style of play the NFL wants. Cause why it mimics what you're seeing in Kansas city. Because when you have free agency and you're losing O-linemen or you're losing receivers, you've got to have a dual threat option in your quarterback today. The days of Dan Marino are gone. Those days are gone. You seven, Peyton Manning. Hey, watch this. If you can't get a running game going, Peyton Manning has to win the game in the air. And with the way that the people rush the passer today, quarterback won't make 17 games. You've got that's why having a dual threat today is the new wave in the NFL. That's why you're seeing more of these guys at the college level. Speaking of the college level, I couldn't wait to get Tony Saracusa on with us. Last word in college sports because I think like he did, like everybody thought at the beginning of this Deion Sanders experiment. We were all doing this, and I agree with Tony. And I think 90% of the people thought this too, like this. Hey, this is going to be good for tickets. Hey, this is going to be good for the one single Haley's Comet. But you know what happened on the way? I think we started realizing, holy cow, this guy can coach. 
I can't wait to get his perspective. He joins us now here on the National Football Show. Is that fair to say? Not to put words in your mouth, Tony, but is that kind of where we are right now going, holy cow, this guy's a good coach. It is fair to say, and obviously, and good to join you as always, Brother Dan. I, I appreciate it. Sure. Um, he, he was a good coach at Jackson State. And he's a good coach at Colorado. We didn't know how what he did at Jackson State would translate up to a higher level of football. Look, it helps that he utilized college football free agency, right? I mean, he's got, what, 57, 58 new players on the Colorado roster compared to the team that not only went 1-11 last year, but was getting blown out every week last year. So where is he now? He's one game better than I thought he would be at this point. Um, I didn't think they would beat TCU. I underestimated what a renovation project TCU turned out to be this year, losing 17 starters off last year's team. I, I thought they would beat Colorado State, and I thought they would beat Nebraska because they should. So they're 3-2. and two. I thought they would be 2-3 and three at this point. You look at what's ahead for them. They still have to play Utah. They still have to play UCLA. They still have to play Oregon State. I still think they're a 6-6 six and six team. But a 6-6 six and six team going to a bowl game coming from a program that was 1-11 last year, and again, not just 1-11, but getting blown out every week, that's a heck of a project he's done. He's got those kids believing in everything he's saying. He's got them buying in which as you know is a struggle for any coach making sure that there's that that they're they're buying what you're selling. Is this fair to say that Sanders and Colorado will probably go to a bowl game that they're not qualified to go to because of the following, the networks, the ratings. You know, I thought about this this morning before I got you on Tony. I mean, you're probably looking at a team that should be earmarked for the Independence Bowl, okay, somewhere in there. However, I could see them not in a New Year's Day, well, maybe around the Holiday Bowl or something like that where they're not qualified and they'll take the place of a team that is more qualified with a better body of work because of the TV ratings because of the way college football is set up today. Do you think that's fair? It's possible. I wouldn't call it likely because the while we still have the contracts for what's left of the conferences and the contract tie-ins to the specific bowl games, there is a pecking order that the bowls must follow uh, in terms of who they take. Now, can he get a little bump up, maybe go from you know the back of the airplane to the middle of the airplane, you know, in terms of bowl games? Yeah, sure. Is he going to wind up at the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, which is pretty much last on the pecking order? At 6-6, six and six, they'll probably get him somewhere else. Although I got to tell you, honestly, 6-6 six and six, and going to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl in L.A., you know Dion's going to be on Kimmel's show and there'll be all this. It's really, even though it's theoretically last in the pecking order, it really would not be that bad of a deal for those kids to get to come to L.A., and be all about the glitz and the shine and being on TV and all of that for a few days before the game. So they're going to go to a bowl game. I'm, I'm certain that they're going to finish six and six. I know the networks would like to have them in a decent one. Look, Fox has been camped out in Boulder for what a month now. 
right? Yeah. And ESPN, not not far behind. They're they're loving this. It's good. It's good for college football. I got to be honest. I don't get into all the controversy about what he said or didn't say or you know things that he has said. Like it bothers people to have a confident black man up there talking. You know, I've interviewed Mike Loxley and James Franklin and you know Dino Babers. They're confident black men. It didn't bother anybody. There's a lot of made up controversy. But in terms of what's happening there, selling out the home games, having all this attention, it's it's a good storyline for college football. It's something different that we haven't had in a while. I'll say this to you. One of my problems with the coverage of it has been that, you know, you hate the team you're playing for or against in college. Mm-hmm. That's just what college football is. Yeah. Auburn hates Alabama. Sure. Colorado hates Colorado State. Sure. So you – you hate them. And so when you're looking at a conference foe like Oregon and someone's trying to rile those guys up, that's not a racist innuendo in any way. No, it's no. just coaching. Yep. And what happens is that if you say anything negative, it's people try to spin it in a way mm-hmm. college and pro football are completely different in the fan bases and how they act towards other teams. USC and UCLA doesn't, they don't like one another, okay? Right. Notre right. Dame, SC, they don't like each other. Miami, right. Florida, we don't like the Gators. Right. Is it really just the new fans coming into college football that are just starting to understand this? I, I, I think that there are different elements that Colorado and that Dion has brought into the viewing spectrum of college football because I agree with you. Part of the beauty of college football is the absolute hatred, the venom for your rival. That's part of what's fun about all of this. Um, Dan Lanning at Oregon ran the score up on Colorado, and he did it on purpose, and I have no problem with it. And it was because he wanted to make sure that, you know, the stuff that was being said about his team, hey, we're just going to go out and put the foot down on the gas and not take it up till the end of the game. That's what you're supposed to do, right? And so it's got nothing to do with the color of Dion's skin, it's got nothing to do with his players and, and where they came from. It's college football. The, the adrenaline that goes with college football is so much more than it is with pro football because you have an emotional attachment to that school. You went there, your dad went there, your wife, whatever. And so it's, it's, there's this adrenaline kick that goes with that, and it's different. Absolutely. My cat just kicked my lights over. <laughs> I love that. You got cats? We got, we got, let's see, we got one, two, we got three, and a dog. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting here. He's sitting here looking at me like, yeah, I just kicked your lights over. What about it? <laughs> do you think college football is the destination for life for Dan, or do you think it's the NFL? No, I think it's the NFL. Uh, it's, it's a bigger spotlight. The when, when he could get a job at another FBS school, another power five school, whatever the case may be, um, I give him two, maybe three years and the NFL is going to come calling. And it's going to be too big of a lure to, to pass up. You know, when the Cowboys call him, you know, it's going to be too tempting. Absolutely. You know, the craziest part of this whole thing with Sanders is that there's something historically going on right now that no one's even covering, and that's the potential of a three-peat by Georgia. That's yep. not really happened. I mean, Tony, that shows you. I mean, 
it must be the Taylor Swift effect here because we're talking about a team that's going to go after something that Mike Kane's teams, the USC teams, yep. uh, the Bama teams couldn't even accomplish. Right. Is going after um, a three-peat, which hasn't – I think maybe one of the, did one of the uh, academies do it back in the day? It was – it was a – I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna, if I try to pick the date, but it was in the 40s. The last time it happened, the 1940s. So yeah, it's it really is unheard of. Even the best Bama teams, the best Miami teams, you know, couldn't pull it off. Look, he's got Kirby Smart's got a, a system down there now. Really, what Nick had at Alabama. And that, yeah, we lost a bunch of players to the NFL, but we got four and five star guys that have been sitting here waiting for their turn. You don't see a lot of Georgia players going to the portal when they don't get their immediate playing time, right? You, you, they lose a few a year. That's fine. They're deep enough to handle it. Nobody could have seen what Carson Beck was going to do coming in as the new quarterback. But the kid's ninth in the country in passing yards per game already. When you got a guy like Brock Bowers at tight end who, you know, is going to be the, the winner for the Mackey Award again, it's it's it makes your life a little easier as a new quarterback, but they've got a good running game. Kirby's got them 16th in the country in total defense. I mean, this team, this team's for real. It really is. And and it is entirely possible. Now, I'm not giving it to them yet. I'm not ordaining them as the champion yet, but absolutely it's a possibility. Isn't it sad that this is the final year of the Pac-12 and this may be the greatest year in the history of the Pac-12? I mean, I don't know, Tony, if I've ever seen such a collection of quarterbacks in that conference and uh, the spotlight on all these Heisman Trophy guys, yep. and it just shows you how unfortunate it is and how the management of the business side of yep. college football has taken this thing down because I can't remember the last time the Pac-12 was this good. It's true. And we're at the part of the we're at the part of the season where the Pac-12 will start cannibalizing each other. Yeah. You know, as they all play each other. And this happens every year in the Pac-12, unlike other conferences, the the top and the middle is all pretty close together. Um, there's not the drop-off that there is in other conferences. But yeah, you're talking about the Heisman, you got to look at Michael Penix at Washington, who is having a spectacular year. He's averaging 400 passing yards a game. Um, and he's got, he's got frankly, Roma Dunsey, who, you know, I've got to vote for the Bolitnikoff for the best receiver, and Rome is one of my favorites. But you got Caleb Williams, and you got Bo Nix. And I told you, I'm going to sit here and say, I told you before the season that DJ Uyunglele was going to go to Oregon State and have a really good season. Spectacular. He is. Yeah, he is. So it, it is sad that the business model took over, that we find out after the fact that they had a chance a year ago at a $30 million per school contract with ESPN, and they turned it down wanting $50 million after they had already lost their L.A. schools. It was insanity. And it is sad. Um, Oregon State and Washington State are suing the conference because they want control of the conference, and they should have it. Um, once you once you announce you're leaving, historically, you lose your voting rights in the conference for everything. UCLA and USC already had their strip. 
The other eight who are leaving are supposed to have their strip. They wanted to have a meeting about what to do with the TV revenue in Oregon State and Washington State said, whoa, 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 hang on a second. You don't have a vote anymore. As a matter of fact, we're the only two voting members left. And they went to court and they were successful and got an injunction against that meeting happening. And there's now a hearing in November for their lawsuit. We could conceivably see Oregon State and Washington State as the only two voting members, which means when all that revenue comes in next June, they vote themselves equal shares and tell everybody else to go pound sand. They can wind up with 200 million each. That's how you build a program right there. <laughs> That's it. Hey, hey, Tony, do you think that Brian Kelly made a massive decision that will impact his his legacy by taking that LSU job and leaving Notre Dame? Do you believe because boy, I'll tell you, they're that's not a place where you could lose two games. You could lose two games at Notre Dame right. and get away with it. You can't right. lose two games at LSU and get away with it. I agree that that's true, but he also has the opportunity to do more at LSU than he did at Notre Dame. Will they Notre be patient, though? Um, they'll be a little patient, a little <laughs> patient. You know, They're not going to be Notre Dame patient, but they're going to be a little patient because there is an upside. I mean, you've seen what he did, what he's done with Jaden Daniels, a quarterback. At Arizona State, this kid was a runner who could throw. Now he's a legit, real quarterback, a big-time quarterback. They'll, they'll be a little patient. He's got the ability to get players in at LSU that he couldn't get in at Notre Dame for all the obvious reasons. Uh, so the potential is really there. And I think that they've shown enough of an uptick in his two years there, really only a year and a half there. He'll, he'll get a little bit of wiggle room, yeah. Why do I wh – what makes you believe that Michigan is a good football team when, when I look at their resume – I saw like Eagle Creek University, Helen Keller University. I, I saw um, like uh, Yogi Bear University. <laughs> and I mean, what, why, why am I under the belief that they're a top five program when at least FSU, there's yes. an LSU and a Clemson win on that resume. Yes. And what I see was Eagle Creek University and Yogi Bear University at Michigan. And yet Michigan gets the love. Why? Because they're Michigan and because people want Harbaugh to do well. They really do. Look, you and I know the Blue Bloods get treated differently. They do. Than other schools, right? Look, look what's happening at Notre Dame, all right? Sam Hartman is having a very blah year, right? I mean, he was 50% passing against Duke, but hailed, but hailed as the hero because of that 17-yard run that kept the drive alive. If Hartman has the numbers that he has now and he still has them at Wake Forest, no one's paying any attention. But he's got them in Notre Dame and the Heisman campaign is starting because it's Notre Dame. This is just what we, and I say we, the college football world, this is what we do with these schools and these programs. I think Michigan's defense looks really good, but it's untested, so I'm not prepared to ordain it as some great defense. I don't know. I, I, I've yet to see that they're a top five program. But everybody certainly seems to be putting them in there. I got to be honest with you. I like Florida State better than I like Me Michigan. too. Jordan Travis is having a spectacular season. And my question coming into the year was the defense for Florida State. And, man, they've proven to be really good. I said, 
I, I didn't really say me too that I like Florida State. I, I, that, that you can't was, say that wearing that logo on your. No, shirt. no, man, that was a small. Sorry, sorry, Mario. That was a <laughs> tiny mistake that I just made there. In closing, here, do you agree? I didn't think this was going to be something that would expand the interest of college football, but Tony, I think Nil has actually helped college football. Yeah, because it's made more viable contenders. I agree. It's it's kept players in school longer. It's kept players at home. It's shifted some players to schools that otherwise weren't going to get them. I still don't I still don't like the collectives and you're never going to convince me that I that I can, but I like the money that the players can get from sponsorships, having real sponsorships um and 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 working with those sponsors. It opens up new opportunities for schools that didn't otherwise have those opportunities before when they were able to put together the money to have these relationships with the sponsors. I I think it has balanced the national landscape a lot more than what we are used to seeing. And I think that's a good thing. How about this? Now, if I'm Shador Sanders or I'm Caleb Williams, Mm. and I see that I potentially could go to the shit Arizona Cardinals, and I'm making, Tony, I'm making $7 million. Right. Or I'm Arch Manning making right. $10 million and I'm the third team guy at Texas. Right. And I may go to a crappy team. Right. I may go like this. Eh, not so fast. I may go back into college and go back to that salary. These kids are going to leave multimillionaires now. Stuart mm-hmm. Sanders is driving around a Rolls Royce. Why would I, I even go to Arizona? I saw that. It's a sweet ride. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Brady had it as a loan, as a right. loaner car. This kid owns it. I'm like... Man, right. it must be nice. No, look, it does, and, and I hear Caleb talking about Caleb's dad talking about he won't leave if the bad. You know, look, that's the way the NFL works. Bad teams go first, but you have to declare for the draft by mid-January. At that point, you know he's going to have an agent. There's no going back. You just have to hope that there is some trade, some movement in the in, in the in the draft portal. But you know who else? You know who's really been helped by NIL is Texas. Because nobody was sold on Queen Ewers a year ago, but he had so much NIL money backing him. Sarkeesian <laughs> had no choice but to hang in there with him. And look at the year that Queen Ewers is having. He's grown up. He's taken it seriously. He's, he did the off-season work that he wasn't doing before. And he very quietly is having an outstanding year. And frankly, Texas is a top five team to me right now. Oh my God! I thought you just said something blasphemy that Texas is a. Five if they, if, if, I yeah. actually believe I'm actually on your side with this. If they get past Oklahoma this weekend, and yep. that's not a given, Oklahoma's defense is very good again. But if they get past Oklahoma in the Red River game, I think Texas is a top five team. I laugh all, every year when we say is Texas back, and I start laughing. Texas may may really be back right now. I agree. They could be the best team they've had there since Mac Brown. Yes. Tony, thank you so much for doing this as always. Always glad to join you, brother. How can people find you? Last word on college sports. You click on the college football link, and there we are. We are going crazy. Seven, eight, nine new articles a day, every day this time of year. Uh, We've got Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes, I still call it Twitter. Uh, At last word on CFB, and you can find me at Tony Bruin on Twitter. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, Brother Dan, be well. You got it. Thank you so much. And 
I'm going to take a time out because some of you are crying too loud. I'm here for you. It's okay. Big Bad Dan, hit the like button. We'll be right back. And Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. After the show, I got to get some hemorrhoid stuff and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just doing something that's more important than some of, yeah, at first I was going to like, but you know, I was, yeah, I got more, hang on. I got more important things. Let's see here. Enemas. <laughs> Hold on here. I got to do some shopping. Just bear with me a little bit here. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Vaseline. <laughs> what, what else here? I got to. <laughs> yeah. Preparation HD. Thank you. I need that for sure. 
Hey, and I, I would I would say this about one of you in here. I don't want to identify you because, you know, you're standing on an anthill right now. Try to get me canceled. They just gave me an extra hour. What are you talking about? I just got an extra hour. Where are you going with that? We're trying to get him out of here. Damn, dude. You got a long crying to do. They just gave me an extra hour. Thank you, five star. What else do I need? Anal probes. Here we go. <laughs> ah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Here, let me see here. What else do I need? Oh. Yeah, man, I need heel cream. <laughs> That kind of is appropriate. Hey, Tyler, don't you think? Hey, hey, Tyler, heel cream. Heel cream. Oh, we're playing the long game, Quan. Really? Damn. So they just gave me an hour, but Quan's going to show up every day playing the long game. Catheter. I got a couple catheters for my cat. Yeah, I love Robert. Robert, this is what Robert did today. He woke up sitting next to his significant other. And I'm going to go and I'm going to tell how bad Big Bad Dan is. His Big Bad Dan. This guy here, he's Big Bad Dan. And then what he does is he goes back to his significant other because i don't really know he recognized me can you believe it unbelievable i can't believe it i was standing on my anthill and now i'm so proud this guy will clip hey this guy will clip this segment and carry it around in his pocket all day long tomorrow not a football topic just wanted to get your take on the uh, Lillard trade quickly. Suns are the best team at now. It's still the Nuggets. Suns. You know, I don't think Lillard. I don't think Lillard wanted to leave and go. Now, I think in the East, it helps Milwaukee obviously. So Milwaukee's probably the top team. I do think they moving those guys over to Seattle. Over those guys over to Phoenix. I think Phoenix is in there now. But Lillard playing next to Giannis, one of the top. 10 players in the history of the NBA, it helps him because there's another shooter late in ball games. Okay. Let's see here. What would I get Quan here? Let's see. Rubber gloves. (laughs) Let's see. Rubber gloves. There we go. Rubber gloves. Dear Dan. I, I'm glad that I was here for four years or four hours talking shit to you. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, the first thing I'm going to do is tune on the show and I'll be at it again. Your friend, dear nobody. <laughs> oh, man. I love every single one of you. Miami Heat will still beat them because you're talking culture because of Pat Riley. Okay? Because of Riley. No, no, wait a minute. Death Row. 
I don't know if Tone agrees with me, but any hey, I got I have far less respect. I have far less respect for Jimmy Butler today with that uh Dorothy Hamill haircut of his. I don't know, man. I mean, Jimmy Butler wearing a Dorothy Hamill haircut. It's I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I when I first saw the Dorothy Hamill haircut on Jimmy Butler, I was like this. Yeah, man, I, where are we going with this? Hey, where are we going? Jimmy Butler's got to look Google. Some of you know how to Google. Okay. Google Dorothy Hamill. You'll know what I'm saying. He's got Jimmy Butler's got a Dorothy Hamill haircut right now. Okay. Yeah. Hey, guy looks like Batgirl. Hey, Jimmy Butler looks like Batgirl. <laughs> Jimmy Butler looked like a... <laughs> ah, Tone. Oh, Tone. Oh, my God. Hey, hey you, it's no longer Batman in Miami. It's Batgirl. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hoss, you got to fix that haircut, son. I don't know, man. I love you to death, Jimmy. And I love Pat Riley, man. Tone, he ain't Batman anymore. He's Batgirl. (laughs) Oh, man. Of course, man. It's all good, man. I like the trolls we have. I admire our trolls. Are you kidding me? Our trolls make it. It's all good. Hey. Thank you guys so much for coming aboard. Every single last one of you. Every one of you. God bless you, and I hope you're here tomorrow. Thank you for spending the four hours with Big Sills. Thank you for being part of the extra hour of the program. Can't do it without you, especially the most important people, like LJ, Robert, Quan, JM. You guys are legends in your own mind, but hey, we'll see all of you tomorrow. Big Joe, thank you. Xander, thank you. Tone, how you doing? Jimmy Butler, man, he's Batgirl now. (laughs) Got to fix that haircut, son. I get it, South Beach. But you can't come to Philly wearing that. (laughs) That ain't going to work, man. Tone, man, great stuff today as always. You were fantastic. Hey, two to six tomorrow. It's a football Friday. We look forward to the Rams and Eagles. As we preview that, that'll be tomorrow. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you there. We'll see you on the flip side. and Hooters, the perfect pair. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.